Podcast Patreon episode 30 previews in a half shell. I'm your host Ryan and welcome back everyone. Uh, this is actually uh, January 28th. Um, yeah, or no, 29th. Uh, the night of the 29th. Uh, and this is uh, the night of the time of the day that I released the latest episode, or maybe the day after I released the latest episode. Uh, the days are getting very confusing right now. It was the day after. So, um, I didn't want time to go by like last time, although who knows, I make plans with the best of intentions. Um, that's what happened last time, and then that episode didn't come out for almost two months. So, who knows what's going to happen with this one. I hope that this one will get out a lot faster. Um, have a lot of stuff I want to cover here. Uh, with you guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed at least that it was a four hour plus episode, uh, last time to try to make up for, uh, the lack of episodes for a while, but, uh, going to put this episode out, uh, going to cover a lot of material here. Don't know if I'll cover it all tonight. Um, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to do this all in one sitting, if you can believe it or not. Um, and then work on getting a regular Star Joe's episode out. 
Um, and also one of the things I'm going to be doing this weekend is getting out, um, the YouTube reviews. Cause I had mentioned a couple in the last episode thinking that they would already be out. They weren't, uh, it was the, I believe the back to the future transformers issue and the, uh, there was a mega man issue and stuff like that too. So, uh, going to try to get those out, uh, this weekend. Uh, so this way, anyone that's listening to the last episode will actually be able to find that on the YouTube channel. Uh, plus I want to start getting the YouTube stuff going. Um, I have a review I want to do of the star Wars high Republic issue that came out. Um, there's a few other issues that have come out that I want to do reviews on, uh, the GI Joe, um, untold tales issues. I want to review those. So a lot of stuff that I, w- I want to cover, um, listened back to the episode, uh, of the last one and listened while I was working. So it helped work go by, uh, a little bit better for me during the day. But, um, yeah, like the one thing I wanted to clarify too, from the last episode is also, I was like, well, you know, if you don't like what the things I'm saying and stuff, you can just, you know, move on to something else. Um, and I don't say that flippantly. I know there's a lot of like comic book creators that I see a lot of times are just like, well, if you don't like what I'm producing, then it's not meant for you and just don't buy my book. And, and I hate that attitude. I don't like that attitude. Your job as a creator is to encourage people to read your book and to take criticism too. That's the thing that I found with, a, with some, I don't want to say even a lot of comic book creators, some comic book creators is that there are some out there that obviously have never worked in any other business or field or anything like that because they're just the, they like to pretend they have thick skin. They don't, they have, some of them have very thin skin, can't take criticism and stuff like that. So, um, so they, they lash out and, uh, I have, I don't know if it's just an age thing because I'm sure I was what I know when I was younger, it was, I lashed out a lot more at, criticism and everything else. Um, I now see criticism and I mean criticism. I'll define what I mean by that, but I see criticism as something that I can use to help me become better. So, um, there is criticism and there's trolling. That's two different things. What I talked about last episode with somebody that was being an ass, um, that's trolling. That's just being a dick. That's not being critical. That's not being anything other than you're just trying to be a jerk to people. And, um, that that's not good for anybody, but criticism and critiques are things like, I don't like this and I don't like that. Or I wish you would do this, those types of things. Even if it's not constructive criticism, like constructive criticism would be like, I, I wish you would do this more. Uh, I like it when you did, did this, uh, maybe don't do this as much like that's constructive criticism, but then there's also just straight out criticism. And sometimes there's harsh criticism. Like I can't stand what you did with this character. Here's why. Um, or, or I just didn't like what you did with that character. Like that's even criticism. Um, I give criticism all the time when I'm reviewing these comics and talking about what I'm reading. I, I talk about what I liked and what I didn't like. That's criticism. Um, so when it comes to the podcast, uh, when I said, like, if someone doesn't like what I'm doing, they can go someplace else. I'm not pushing people away. Um, 
I'm simply saying that maybe if you don't like what I'm doing, then this podcast might not be for you. Um, and maybe that sounds the same as what I just said comic book creators sometimes do. Um, but it's not what, what I mean is like, I view this as like a, a channel and, and comics can be viewed the same way. Like if you read a comic or you're listening to a podcast and you don't like what you're hearing, but maybe you think something is, is there, um, that you might like, or maybe it just needs to grow on you. You know, you give it a couple episodes or you give it a couple issues and then you can make a determination. And after that, if you decide, or even after one, if you decide, you know what, I don't think this is for me then by all means, find something that you feel is for you. However, it shouldn't be up to the creator to tell you that something is not meant for you. Um, because who is, who is anyone to say that? Like, it's not my place to tell you that this podcast is not for you. Um, you might like listening to it for whatever reason. You might like reading a certain comic for whatever reason. Um, that's like, uh, I guess an example is like, if you're someone like My Little Pony, and you are not the typical demographic for that, I guess, um, or or the target audience, or whatever, however you want to view it, but you really enjoy it, then who the hell is anyone else to tell you that that's not for you? Um, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Um, when I said like, you know, go find something else. I was referring to people that are the trolls, the ones that are the dicks and the assholes, and they're just trying to be that way. Um, but if I'm doing something as a podcaster and you don't like what I'm doing um, and you want to say something about that or you wish I did something differently, um, by all means, let me know. Like, even if you're not the most tactful at it, um, you know, maybe maybe it just comes across harsh. I'm fine with that. I've learned to take a lot of criticism. You heard me mention last episode, I take a lot of escalated customer calls. And uh, you get people getting very nasty with you. And you have to learn that, uh, at least in that situation, they're just frustrated. They're not necessarily taking on you. There, there's some that are taking on you. But again, those are like the troll people. Like there's some people that you just can't do anything to make them happy. So therefore, you have to just let that go and just accept that. Um, and I say that when it comes to the podcast, I say that when it comes to my comic, like I mentioned last episode, for those of you that backed it, thank you so much. You know, you guys are awesome. But if you get it and you read it and you don't like it or you don't like something in it, you're, you can absolutely tell me that. Like, it's not, you know, I might not be happy that you don't like it, um, but I'm certainly not going to tell you, well, it wasn't meant for you. I might tell you that uh, a different spin on that might say, okay, it's not your cup of tea. might not be something that, that you'll want to continue reading then. But I would never tell you that it's not meant for you because that's not for me to decide. That's for you to decide. Um, but like, if you don't like, like it, then just tell me you don't like it and tell me, Maybe maybe there's reasons why you don't like it. Or maybe, again, going back to what I mentioned last episode, maybe you're like Chuck, and it's just a roadhouse. It's just, I just didn't like it. I, I can't put it into words why I didn't like it. I just didn't like it. And that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Um, I think a lot of people have a hard time accepting that sometimes things 
sometimes you're not going to be able to make everybody happy. And sometimes um, you have to hear what isn't making somebody happy to make yourself better. So uh, I am my own harshest critic. So no matter what you guys could say, I'm probably going to say something even more harsh to myself. So, um, but I, I take all those things with, um, constructiveness in mind. So I always, I, I, I've learned over the years and again, maybe it comes with age and, and everything, but, um, and experience, but just, I've just learned like, you know what, that person said this, is there something out of that that I can take and, and make myself better? Um, and it's not to appease that person. It's not to, um, make them happy or make them like me or anything like that. It's really just to make myself better. Um, because I think we all try to be better each day if we can, like if we have the capability of being a better person today than we were yesterday, I'd like to believe that a lot of people want to do that. Um, not different people have different views of what that means and that's fine. But, um, the other thing that I found interesting was I said last episode, once the election, now that the election's over, hopefully we can be, uh, more peaceful and everything else. Well, obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> um, uh, cause that, that was recorded well before the attack on the Capitol and stuff. So, um, and that was an attack. I, political views aside, like, I don't care if it was right wing or left wing or whatever the hell, that was an attack. Um, so, uh, I don't like what I saw there. I don't like anyone that was involved. And if you're, and honestly, if you're someone that's going to defend that, fuck you and go away. Um, <laughs> cause to me, you're, you're that troll department. You're, you know, um, and I've heard, you know, I've heard all the things, well, uh, in the summer there was the riots and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So, so obviously you never grew up with the saying, uh, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you like, I don't condone the riots that happened in the summer. I don't condone the attack on the Capitol. Um, and I don't mean to get into that type of stuff, but it happened. This is my sounding board for talking about that. Uh, it, it's a bunch of horseshit that that happened that, it's horrible. I'm glad it got stopped. I applaud those that helped uh, make sure it, it did not continue, and I applaud those that condemn it. Um, whatever happens politically after that, uh, I'm not going to get into that or anything like that. Um, I just wanted to actually talk about the actual event and say that um, that was horrible, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, you all felt that way too. Like it was just a horrible stain on our country. Um, and, uh, I'm hoping that, you know, again, like I said, last episode, I'm hoping that now that that's happened, that maybe we can start, you know, working together and, and, and realizing that different ideas and opposing ideas are okay as long as it doesn't get to that ridiculous level. Um, and, and I bring that up because it ties into exactly what I was just talking about, which is. I can have a different view than you have on comics or movies or whatever. And we can talk passionately about that. Um, as long as it doesn't get to the level of being a dick to each other. So, um, so, and that's what I'll be doing here. Uh, I've been reading a lot more comics. I'm, I should be able to actually talk about a lot more things knowledgeably. 
Um, before I get into the actual previews and everything else here, I've been reading a lot more digital comics. I, uh, I believe I'm going to actually be getting rid of Comixology. Uh, I just am finding myself not really using it because um, it's cumbersome to find the unlimited stuff in my eyes. I, and maybe there's some easy way to find it. Um, but then I also don't like that some stuff is unlimited, some stuff isn't. Um, when I want to look for something to, to read, I'm like, oh, I want to read this title, and I know it's been out for two years or something like that, and it's not, it's still not available to read on Unlimited. It's like, well, it it's just feels like a waste to me. Um, so I love the Marvel Unlimited app, and then the DC Infinite one started up. Uh, I'm liking that one quite a bit. It does have six months, like the Marvel Unlimited used to. So they did up it to six, the last six months. Um, it seems like they still need to load quite a few things, but one of the things I'm starting to read is Hellblazer. I've never read Hell, Hellblazer than like a one or two issues of it. Um, I think I read a trade one time of it, and that's been it. But I knew it was supposed to be really good. Um, always wanted to read it. It's one of those holes in my reading history that I have not had an opportunity to read. Uh, so I am reading it now. I read the first issue, loved it, thought it was awesome. Uh, it's, I think it started in the eighties, I want to say. Um, so it's wordy. Uh, there's a lot of words, but, uh, so it takes a while to get through an issue is the reason I'm saying that. And issue one was like also like 40 some pages. So it took a while, but I really liked it. I thought it was really well done. Uh, the art was great. The story was great. Um, so I'm, I'm reading that. It's funny because with Marvel Unlimited, I'm reading a lot of more recent stuff. And then with the uh, DC Infinite, I'm reading older stuff. It's it's funny. And it's not because the stuff is six months to wait for new stuff. It's just, I don't know, my mindset is that um, maybe, maybe it's because I was picking up and reading a lot more DC stuff currently uh, when it comes to titles and the ones that I wasn't getting, I wasn't as interested in reading them. So, um, but there's some that I want to read like Batman and the outsiders. I want to read that. Um, I'd mentioned Hawkman. I think previously I want to, uh, continue reading that. Um, I started reading Aquaman. I went all the way back to rebirth, uh, and started reading that. And I want to do the same thing with wonder woman. Like I want to go back to rebirth with wonder woman and start reading that. Cause I haven't been reading wonder woman. And it's again, one of those holes in my reading habits that I actually want to be reading. Um, there's some other titles that I would love to read that just aren't on there yet. I'm hoping they come later, like books of magic. I've never read, uh, and would like to read that. So that's uh, another example of something there. So, um, but yeah, uh, because of that, I've been able to be reading stuff. I, I might not be caught up to date in some of, you know, in the stuff because I'm reading digitally and because it's behind digitally, but I can at least speak now knowledgeably about a lot of these titles because I'm checking them out and reading them so I can talk about them a bit. Um, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump into, uh, DC and then we'll cover previews and then we'll cover the Marvel previews. So, uh, with DC, I'm on DC connect, uh, it's issue five of DC connect. And it's uh, the October solicits for stuff that came out in December. So getting caught up, we're getting there. You know, this episode, I'll be able to get us, I'm going to cover two DC Connects 
uh, two previews and two Marvels that will get us all the way up through stuff that came out in January. So it'll all be stuff that just recently came out. And then uh, the next episode uh, of previews, I will be able to cover stuff that will be coming out. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm, this episode's going to come out. I'm going to do the flash episode and then, um, surprise, I'm going to do one more previews episode to get completely caught up on previews. And I am going to release that out to the public and I'm going to try to get all three of those episodes done in February. I can't guarantee that that's going to happen. I'm hoping it will. Uh, I'm going to make every effort to do so. Uh, part of it is just because I don't know how many regular Star Joe's episodes I'm going to be able to get out in February. So if I can at least do these types of episodes and get them out to you guys. And then, as I mentioned before, once March comes, it will be paid episodes. So uh, it'll be back to $3 a month if you want these Patreon episodes. So um, I mentioned last time, too, that I was like, that's less than a cup of coffee a day. Yeah, it is. I didn't want people to relate. Well, does that mean I'm paying $3 a day? I don't think anyone thought that, but it was just, I listened back to the way I worded it and it sounded really weird. So basically if you're someone that goes to Starbucks and gets, you know, coffee there, you're paying probably what, five, $6 a day, uh, for coffee, maybe a little bit less. I don't know. I don't go to Starbucks. I don't drink coffee, but you're paying, you're probably paying like five bucks a, a day. Um, I, and even if you're doing that once, only once a week, you're, you know, at the end of the month, you're paying 20 bucks for four cups of coffee. Uh, I'm offering you hours of this for $3 a month. So, um, I, and I don't normally do the hard sell like that. I don't normally do the hard push. I'm just saying it now because once this goes back to being paid, I, you know, if people have been enjoying this, I want you to be able to continue enjoying it. And I want to let you know, again, hundred percent of the money goes back into the podcast. It goes back into the show. None of it goes into me what doing whatever. Like I get stuff for myself, my comics, I pay for myself, all that type of stuff comes out of my money. Um, but you know, there, there's expenses for doing the show and there's things I want to, I, there are things I want to get to help do more for the show. Uh, like I mentioned the camera, that's going to be expensive. Item. That's going to take me two, three years to save up money, uh, for that. So, uh, so it's going to take some time. So, uh, just wanted to, like I said, wanted to throw it out there and let you guys know that once this goes back to being paid, uh, a paid service, it's not a lot of money. Uh, and I didn't, I never wanted it to be that way. So just wanted to throw it out there. Um, all right. So we're in DC connect. Uh, remember too, like if you don't get previews, the catalogs, you can still follow along with me in DC connect cause it is free. Uh, it is online and I'm using a, a tablet to, to go through it. I downloaded them because they, I was having some, uh, slower internet issues of it, like just loading up on the internet page. Um, but you can download it. So I'm, I downloaded it onto my tablet so I can, uh, go through it on here. Uh, so on this, the first spotlight is Batman Catwoman number one. Uh, this continues the storyline that was set up by Tom King. Art is by Clay Mon. Um, I read the first issue of this and I, you, very blunt. I couldn't stand it. Uh, I, the art was beautiful. Claymont's art is gorgeous, but I think I've mentioned many times in the past, Tom King's writing is hit or miss for me. 
this was a huge miss. There are times when I read Tom King's Batman and there's certain issues that I'm just like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is like some of the best Batman I've ever read. Um, totally love it. Then there's the issues where I'm like, this is the biggest pile of shit. I can't stand it. I can't understand what's going on. I, I just don't know what's happening. That's what the first issue of Batman Catwoman was for me. I didn't understand a damn thing that was happening. It looked all pretty, but it jumped so much in time that I didn't know what time period I was reading. Um, and people that like, I know people that support Tom because they're his friends and everything else. You can tell, you can push it back on me all day long as much as you want to. And that's fine. Maybe I deserve it and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe I'm not just too dense to understand it, but I read that first issue and I know I'm not the only one because I've seen other people make the comment and I have some friends that made the same comment, um, comments that it, it just jumped around everywhere. I had no, and then they also acted very out of character, uh, for Batman and Catwoman. There was times when they just did not act like I would expect them to act. Um, and yeah, so it was just a big hot mess for me. Uh, now I have issue two. I've not read it yet. Uh, as you guys know from past episodes that once I read an issue that I'm not a big fan of, it's hard for me to read the next issue. Um, I will, but it, it's going to take me a little bit of time. Um, yeah, just did, like I said, it's beautiful. Claymont's art is gorgeous. I just, yeah, did not like that first issue even a little bit. Um, and I know there's like, Phantasm supposed to appear in it from Mask of the Phantasm and like the characters in there and stuff happens related to that. But even all that stuff was like unclear. Um, I think what it does to some extent is it makes a lot of assumptions of the reader, like the reader knows the stuff ahead of time. So I don't have to explain this stuff, but no, you kind of still do <laughs> like, and I've ne especially with a number one issue. And I've never understood that with a creator. Uh, when creators do that in, in a story, it's like, don't assume that the reader knows stuff ahead of time. Uh, especially with a number one issue, like, like I'm trying to think of a good example, but this isn't the best example, but like when mask first came out, um, I heard from, I actually literally heard from creators that said, um, with titles like that, it wasn't specifically for that title, but it was one like that title. They were just like, well, no one's really picking up that issue unless they already know those characters. Like no one's picking up mask number one, unless they are already a mask fan and they wanted to read the comic. That's a bunch of horseshit. That's a bunch of bullshit. You can bring new readers in and introduce them to that property. That might be their first time ever reading that property. And you just turn them off because you're not helping introduce them to that world. So, yeah, is your biggest target audience the ones that already know that that property and those characters? Sure, absolutely. So, is uh, is Batman Catwoman number one target audience those that were already reading Tom King's Batman? Yeah, that's your biggest target market right there is those that read his run, liked his run, and wanted to continue reading his run. But that doesn't mean that other people didn't pick up number one as being the first time they ever read that, read some Batman by Tom King, and were like, oh, let's read this, and were completely lost and didn't know what the hell was going on. 
Like, give them something. You don't have to do um, a summary or anything like that, but there should be hints in the story as to what's going on and everything else. And like I said, there was a lot of time jumps in it that you would turn the page or even on the same page and like, wait, is this taking place before that? What I just read? I, I don't, like, it just didn't make any sense. So, moving on. Uh, we have Batman Black and White. It's a new, um, I think it's a mini series, um, but it's the uh, Batman Black and White. They've done it before where it's like these short stories, they're anthology stories. Uh, it's all black and white artwork, um, and it just allows various creators to come in and tell uh, Batman stories. Uh, I have the first two issues. I have not read them yet. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I do have the, there was a big omnibus that was collected of the past time they did Batman black and white. And I have that. And I have read a lot of the stories in that. It's always nice because they, they're these little self-contained stories and it works well in the, that noir uh, world that they create for Batman. Uh, Then we have endless winter. It's uh, a nine issue, uh, event that crosses over with like, it's, it's got some of its own individual titles, but then it crosses over with some other titles. Like you have Justice League Dark is in there, uh, and Aquaman and regular Justice League. But then you also have like special issues. Like you have a Justice League Endless Winter number one. You have a Superman Endless Winter. You have a Black Adam Endless Winter. I did get this entire nine issue event. Uh, I have not read it yet. Uh, I heard it was pretty good. The thing that was interesting with this is this felt like maybe it was meant to be a bigger event at one point, but then DC DC decided to do um, the whole death metal thing and have that be something that turned into a big uh, event that would change the DC universe. And they're like, but we still have this thing that was supposed to be an event uh, that, you know, maybe unless winter got like delayed or I don't know, but it just felt like, this was a story that they already had everything created. They already had everything done. You know, different creators were paid already and stuff like that. It would have been a waste to not put it out. So they went ahead and put it out. Um, even though it's, it has no ties to anything that was happening in the DC universe at, that, at the particular time that this came out. So, um, but I'm okay with that because it's, I just, want to read a really cool story. And I heard it is a cool story. So no pun intended with it being called endless winter, but, um, but yeah, it, I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. Now. The one thing I want to do is I do want to get caught up on flash. I want to get caught up on, uh, I'm caught up on justice league, but I want to get caught up on flash and I want to get caught up on justice league dark before I read this. Um, I've been reading justice league dark to get caught up, um, on issue 12, maybe right now. And this has issue 29. So I got some reading to do, but I'm like reading an issue a day pretty much. So, uh, so I'll get caught up within like a couple weeks and then I'll be, I'll read this flash. I'm like six issues behind or something like that. So that won't take me long. Um, so a lot of artwork for endless winter. Um, and then we have the individual issues that were coming out. Uh, and this was all happening in one month. So, uh, but it's a nine part story, uh, has like just pretty much everybody in it. Got Teen Titans in it, Justice League's in it. Um, a lot, a lot of fun stuff. So, uh, then we have Generations Shattered number one. I thought this looked really interesting. I have the issue again, haven't read it. It's a bit of a thicker issue. 
um, but it's basically, um, it says continue the epic from the pages of Detective Comics 1027 and Dark Knight's Death Metal. Um, So I'm not sure what story they're referring to in Detective Comics 1027. I read that issue, but I don't recall how this ties into it, but there was a lot of stories in that issue, so I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but what this is, is it looks like it's, uh, basically a lot of different characters in the DC universe coming together from different time periods. So you have, um, and it might even be some alternate earths involved, but you have like Batman and it must be alternate earths because you have Batman from the very beginning of his career, uh, when he's got the purple gloves, you got Sinestro when he was still a green lantern, you got steel is in here. Um, you got Dr. Light, uh, she's in here, um, Booster Gold, Commandy, uh, and, uh, Starfire. So the team is very interesting. Uh, obviously a lot of them know like certain things like Booster Gold knows that Sinestro isn't going to always be the heroic Sinestro, things like that. Um, you know, people aren't aware of what that people are aware of what Batman will become. Batman's not aware of that. So, um, Commandy is, you know, from the far off future. Uh, so it's interesting to bring them all together. Uh, I am looking forward to reading this, uh, a lot of great writers and artists on this. So, um, this will probably be something that I read, uh, this weekend finally. So, uh, then we have Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Last Stories of the DC Universe, number one. So I've read, I'm, I think I mentioned the last ep- beginning of the last episode, that I have read all of Dark Knight's Death Metal. Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, so I, I will talk about some of the things that happen. Um, I'll try to keep them mostly spoiler-free. If I go into spoilers, I'll try to warn you ahead of time. But basically this issue, Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Last Stories of the DC Universe, number one, this is like the night before the big battle like they know the next the big battle is coming and that it will arrive like the next day and this could be the last time that they all have time with each other um so they you know there you have various this is an anthology book there's a lot of different characters uh stories in it you have uh oliver queen with um with Black Canary, Dino Lance, um, they, they share a moment and like, I will tell you a spoiler on that one is that, um, she thinks for a moment that Ollie, Ollie's going to propose to her and he's like, no, of course I'm not. Well, well, you know, she's like, oh good. Cause this wouldn't be the best time, but whatever. And here, uh, when she walks away, he was going to propose to her, but because of the circumstances, it didn't work out that way. Um, it was a very good story and, um, Dick Grayson, another spoiler, Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon actually do decide that they're married. They're, they, they actually get married right then and there for that night, knowing they might die the next day because he has always loved her. She has always loved him. It's time for them to be together. Now, what this means for where things are now, I don't know. Like, I don't know if if what happens in these stories and what happened in death metal then carries over because basically what happens is a lot of stuff gets, I don't want to say rebooted cause it wasn't like the new 52, but basically like everything mattered, everything happens. Um, so in death metal, 
basically what they reveal is that there was all these crises that happened over time and they twisted up reality and they twisted up what really happened and what didn't really happen and and what and view it like a and they actually do this in in the issues view it like a rope with knots in it like there's a that's your timeline like it everything happened but but at certain points during your timeline things got twisted up and realities changed and certain certain aspects changed well imagine straightening out that line which is what this event did and it says yeah all of those things happened all of those things mattered there's now an omniverse that that is out there and so you have stories of, of batman back in the 30s you have stories of batman in the 50s because those were all different worlds and universes where all those things did happen um so crisis on the earth still happened it's just part of its own timeline uh and certain things that came after that are part of its own timeline so all of these things are out there all of these things happened all of these things mattered and basically what dc is saying is that any story that you read is a dc story and you should read it as a dc story and you should enjoy it as a dc story like if you which is what i have always felt anyways from the very beginning and i've mentioned it many times in here if i read a good story i've read a good story that's all that matters um does it always work in continuity no like i mentioned three jokers last time like it didn't totally work in continuity but it kind of did so whatever works in your head to have it fit or don't you don't need it to fit is totally fine that's basically what dc said in the story is like they they just came out and said like we're going to be telling stories and with these cool characters we hope you enjoy them <laughs> and all of them count all of them matter that's just the way it is like um and if that bothers somebody well then again maybe it's maybe the dc universe isn't isn't for you maybe it's you know not saying that dc is telling you that again different it's a different perspective you making the choice as to whether it works for you or not is different than someone telling you it doesn't work for you or it wasn't meant for you so um so yeah so these stories were really cool like i said i would like to see like i would love to continue reading a story of dick and barbara being married uh, much of like i would like to see um, batman and catwoman being married and that story continuing um so uh then we have dark knight's death metal number six i was just talking about that type of stuff uh dark knight's death metal the secret origin number one loved this freaking issue this is one of my favorite issues of the entire event um when it comes to the like i love the event itself but when it comes to the tie-ins this is i probably would put this as my number one issue um you have superboy prime if you've ever liked the character superboy prime you should read this issue um if you didn't like what they did with superboy prime in infinite crisis which i heard from a couple people actually um then you should read this issue <laughs> because um it's it brings the character back to probably what you like of the character um it's very heartfelt it's um it's an intense issue i really really liked it and you do not have to have read anything of death metal like you can pick up this issue by itself um it has ties to death metal there's things that happen in it related to death metal but there's nothing 
like you can read all of it and understand what's going on without reading death metal because uh, it's mostly most of the issue is focused on Superboy Prime. Uh, there, like I said, there's events with death metal, and but they, the characters bring you up to speed. So this is this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. So this is a number one issue. I know it's a tie-in, so it's not a typical number one issue. But this was an issue where, like I said, I feel like I could give it to somebody and they could read it and know that something else is going on, but they read this issue and they go, oh, I understand what's happening. I understand what has happened to lead up to this character being here in this moment because... They essentially told me it in this issue. That's that's what they did do. Like, um, and maybe I'm biased because I already read other stuff, and so maybe if someone did pick it up, maybe it doesn't read that way. I really felt like it did. I felt like if I had read this issue all by itself with nothing else, I would understand at least enough of what was happening in Death Metal to lead up to this moment, and then I can can continue reading the story. And like I said. It is extremely well done. Um, now, it's written by Scott Snyder and Jeff Johns. So, two people that I think are very good writers worked on this together. It should not be a surprise that it was a good story. Um, so, uh, then we have Death Metal, The Last 52, War of the Multiverses, number one. So, this is the big battle. So, there's the battle that happens in issue six. And it continues in issue seven of the main death metal, but the last fifty-two war of the multiverses. This is everybody else's battle. So this is like all the other characters that are in the battle. You you get little stories of their moments that they're having in this big battle. So it's an anthology again, but it's um, yeah, it, you're basically getting to see what's happening with everybody. Uh, Dark Knight's death metal number seven. Beautiful cover, simple cover by Greg Capullo. Um, this was, it, it was a good event. Like, I actually liked this event more than Metal, and I really liked Metal. I thought Metal was done really well, but this just had a lot more um, heart to it. It had a lot more depth to it, um, maybe because it actually had a big, huge impact on the direction DC's going in, but... Um, I liked what they did with Wonder Woman. Uh, they Wonder Woman has an interesting future ahead. Like, I don't know where they're going with her. I know that they're doing Future State, which we're going to talk about in the near future. No pun intended. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because uh, I haven't had a chance to read some of the Future State books. Uh, that have Wonder Woman in it, like the, this Wonder Woman in it. And so I don't know what her status is currently. I know kind of where they left off this issue was that she's she's no longer just like an Earth-based hero. She's more of like a god now. Um, that's the level she has to go to. One of the things I really liked that they did was um, why this universe was different than any other ones that like this universe was going to get wiped out by the creators of the source wall and, and stuff like that because they felt like it was a failed experiment uh, much like any much like many other universes were for them um, but how one woman approached it with them and what she wanted and what she was willing to sacrifice and everything else made them look up to her 
in a lot of respects. And that, and what you see on the cover actually does play out in the issue. And it's, it's very interesting how it's done. Um, but yeah, I really liked Death Metal. I thought it was done extremely well for something that I thought initially was a money grab. Uh, turned out not to be at all. So, um, thought that was really well, really well done. Um, then we have Ginny Hex special number one. So, uh, Young Justice has already ended. This is a, uh, a one shot issue, uh, about Ginny Hex. I have not read it yet, but she was a character from Young Justice. I found very interesting. Um, much like last time, there was also Tales from the Dark Multiverse. We have Crisis on Infinite Earth, uh, which I have not read yet. I know it's kind of surprising since it's my favorite story that I wouldn't want to read this Dark Multiverse story. I really do want to read it. I just haven't sat down to read it. I started reading some of, uh, some more of the Dark Multiverse stories that I hadn't picked up to read yet. Um, this just hasn't been one I got to just yet. Um, I think part of it is I do want to like savor it. I want to like sit there and really like take it in and see what changes they made. I heard that it's more so a justice society story than a crisis of the earth story. Like that there's the multiverse stuff happens at the beginning. Like the crisis stuff happens at the very beginning of the issue, but then it kind of becomes an, a justice society type, a dark justice society type story, um, which I'm totally fine with. That's great. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of want to just like sit down and like kind of soak that story in. Uh, then we have tales from the dark multiverse, dark Knights metal. So the metal event that they had, uh, they, uh, that happened before death metal. There's a dark version of that, which that could prove to be interesting. Wonder woman war of the gods, uh, which is the tales of the dark multiverse. That one could be interesting too. I've heard from a few sources that, this story, the original War of the Gods story, starts off strong but and doesn't end well. It, it kind of loses its way throughout the story. Um, but that doesn't mean they can't make a good dark story of that. Um, so, yeah. And then, uh, let's see, we have Batman number 104. I've, I'm actually caught up on Batman. Um, and this dealt with... Uh, Clown Hunter and uh, Ghostmaker and everything else. Uh, I don't really... So I like the character of Ghostmaker. I don't like what they ended up doing with the character of Ghostmaker. So Ghostmaker turned out to be an old buddy uh, or old rival of Bruce's. Because, of course, there's always somebody from Bruce's past that also turns up. Um, and they he doesn't feel like Bruce is doing what all he could do for Gotham, which I feel like that story has been done before. This was written. Well, it was done really well. Um, but the thing I didn't like is at the end, Ghostmaker decides to become part of the team and, and help out Bruce. So that was the only thing that I was like, eh. um, I would have liked keeping him as a rival. Um, then we have Batman annual number five. This tells the origin of Clown Hunter. Um, we get a little, we know his origin in Joker War. Uh, it's revealed as to why he is what he is um, and why he does what he does. But this explores it significantly more. It like goes way in depth into um, his history and everything else. So, um, so yeah, I, I I think if you like that character, that's something that you should 
check out. Um, let's see, going into graphic novels and stuff, uh, another young adult one, which is Catwoman Soul Stealer. Um, I didn't see this one come out. Maybe it got delayed. I'm not sure. Um, I just don't recall seeing this one. Uh, it's one I would pick up because I really like the artwork on it. It's like gray tones with Catwoman being in a in purple. Like there's certain points where color is used. Like purples and yellows, it looks like are being used, but then the rest looks to be like different gray tones, which I think is really cool and really interesting. Uh, Nubia, real one. Yep, that one's not for me. Um, they're doing flash facts, which I think that's kind of cool. It's like science. So flash facts is a long time DC flash thing. Like anytime there's information and stuff like that in flash, uh, it's been referred to as a flash fact. Well, now DC's coming out with this, uh, graphic novel for kids that talks about science and everything else, um, using DC characters. And it's called flash. The book's called flash facts facts and i think that's really cool i hope they do more of that um superman i am behind on uh batman beyond it's the final issue which is issue 50 and that's appropriate place to end a series is on an even number like that uh i go back to hawkman where they ended it on issue 29 that didn't make any sense um but yeah that, that issue 50 um, it was a series that I read for a little while, but I didn't keep up with it. Uh, I love Batman Beyond. I love the character and everything else. I love the cartoon. I read a lot of the comics and really enjoyed them. Um, just didn't keep up with it. So, um, going into skipping past some other stuff, uh, here, uh, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey number four, that finishes off that series. I don't think that came out either yet, unless I missed it. Because I do have the first three issues. I'll have to look to see. Um, but, yeah, just skimming ahead into trades here. We have Batgirl Returns Omnibus. This is the Gail Simone stuff, uh, which I really liked. I liked the costume for Batgirl in that. I liked um, the stories. Some Most of the stories were really good. Batman the Caped Crusader Volume 5 trade paperback. I didn't realize what these stories were. So the Caped Crusader one, and then there's the Dark Detective. Uh, I believe it's Dark Knight Detective or something like that series. Um, these are like, so the Caped Crusader ones, I think, are stories from the 80s, maybe. Maybe even the 90s, but I think they're from the 80s. But they collect Batman stories from that time period, like Batman 466 through 473 and Detective Comics 639 through 640. So the Cape Crusader ones, I believe, are stories from the 80s. And then the Dark Knight Detective volumes, trade paperbacks, are stories from the 90s. I didn't realize that when I, when these first came out. Um, and now they're on volume 5 of this. I think they're on volume 4 of Dark Knight Detective. Because um, I would have been getting these. like They're, they're really cool. Um, and I don't think we're ever going to get like a hardcover omnibus like we're doing with like the golden age or anything like that. But I really do, uh, like these and they're the first volumes right now are expensive because they've been out of print for a little while now. Like, I think the first volumes are like to find a decent price. You're talking like 70 bucks, um, for the trade. The later ones you can still find for the most part, maybe volume two of dark Knight detective is also expensive, but, um, 
the rest of them you can find for like around 30 bucks or so. Um, but I didn't realize what they were. I, it is something I would like to track down these trades for. Um, speaking of DC trades and hard and collections and hard covers and all that type of stuff. Um, one thing I came across recently and I decided to, to give it a shot was, um, I, I probably have mentioned this before. I do remember coming across these like over a year ago. They've been around for a while though, is there's, uh, over in the UK, there's a series of collected editions for Marvel and DC as well as Transformers. I mentioned the Transformers one in the past. Uh, I think they're also done by Eagle Moss, but I know that the DC and the Marvel ones are done by Eagle Moss, but I think the Transformers one is also. But I mentioned the Transformers one in the past where they collect, they're, they're collecting every single Transformer story. So you get, like, if you get a volume of it, it's, it'll have, um, Marvel stuff in it, or it might have IDW stuff in it, or it might have uh, Dreamwave stuff in it. Like they have every, they're trying to collect everything that was Transformers. And then when you put them on your bookshelf, if you put them in the order that they come out, came out in, it the spines line up together to give this really cool image that goes all the way across. Um, DC, the DC ones, they have ones like that. Also, they're called DC Graphic Novel Collection. And then the Marvel ones, I think, are called the Marvel Ultimate uh, Graphic Novel Collection, which it's tough with that Ultimate word in there because then you start getting into the Ultimate Marvel line. But um, but for DC, I think there's like 130 some of volume, 130 some volumes of them, and Marvel's got like two or three hundred uh, volumes of them. And then there's also just Batman ones, so you can get just Batman uh, stories. And, uh, I don't know how many of those there are. There might be like 70 or 80 of them, but basically it's a subscription service, um, over in the UK. You can't get it in the U S which totally sucks. Cause I would get these things in a heartbeat, but they're, they're like, I don't want to say cheap cause they're not cheap. They're inexpensive hardcover collective editions. Like these things are like, if you go on eBay and look for them, like if you look up DC graphic novel collection, you can find a whole ton of stories and there's some that are pricier. There's some that you get, you have to, you know, you might have to pay 30 to $60 for cause they're a little bit more rare, a little bit more tough to get. But most of them, majority of them, you're looking at seven to $10 for a hardcover that collects five, six issues around five to six issues each one is and then of the story it's a specific story and then in the back of the dc ones you get some classic story along with it so you get another issue that is like a classic story from let's say like the 60s or 70s or maybe even earlier than that um but these collect stories like things like hush things like infinite crisis things like crisis on infinite earth things like uh certain batman story arc, certain Wonder Woman story arcs, certain, you know, if you're going into Marvel, certain Spider-Man ones like Craven's Last Hunt is, is in there, certain Thor ones, I think Thor Ragnarok's one of them. Um, but it's like, it's just, it's a hodgepodge of stories. I will tell you that. Like, it's just, they grab this one, they grab that one. It's just like whatever one they feel like doing an arc on. But you get the full story, they're full-size hardcover editions. So like the Transformers ones, they're a little bit shorter in size, like they're not full size, um, comic book size, 
Um, the DC ones, at least, I don't know about the Marvel ones, but I assume the Marvel ones are the same way. The DC ones are full size. I have 14 of these now, and I, I would like to get all of them. But it's cool because the spines line up, just like the, the Transformers ones I mentioned. And for the DC ones, you get like this awesome Alex Ross Justice looking picture. It looks like the looks like the Super Friends. The like I mentioned Justice in the past. Justice is like the grown up version of Super Friends. It's Alex Ross with like the Justice League and the Legion of Doom with DC Comics logo in the middle. And then there's special editions like they've done Crisis stuff. So you get Crisis at Earth, you get Final Crisis, you get DC One Million. If you get all of those, they line up in the spines show all the different multiverse things. So like from Christ Infinite Earth, where you had all the Earths lined up, that's what that image looks like. And again, it's like, I believe it's like an Alex Ross type thing, or it might be the George Perez Earths or something like that. Um, it's really cool. Like, I love the fact that it looks amazing on your bookshelf, but then you also have these really nice hardcovers. And they are, they're nice. Like, they're, you don't get any of the frills, so there's no intro. So they didn't pay someone pages to do an intro they didn't uh from what i could tell i didn't see any in there um you don't get all the variant cover images in the back you don't get concept artwork like all, i like all that stuff that stuff's awesome i really love it but if you want to sell me a, a hardcover collective edition of a story that i love and charge me 10 bucks for it 10 bucks for a hardcover that has the entire story there for you like that's amazing like and like I said they're not cheap like they're not cheap editions or anything like that they're nice editions um I really like them so I I can't remember all the ones I have but I have like Swamp Thing volume one there I think there's three or three or four volumes of Swamp Thing um I have uh Quiver volume one there's a Quiver volume two I don't have yet um there's Hush I did I do have Hush of course um, there's Batman, uh, strange apparitions. So like I said, there's some that are just like just story arcs. That's all they are. Um, so there's stuff like that. That's really cool. I've got a wonder woman, which is I think called gods and monsters or something like that. Um, there's uh, Superman birthright volume one. There'll be, there, there'll be birthright number two. Um, so if it's like a, a longer series of like, uh, I have Revenge of the Green Lanterns is one of them, but like, it if if it's like a, a twelve issue story arc, you know, it'll be broken up into two volumes because you get about six five six issues in each one. Um, New Frontier Volume One, I need to get Volume Two, but they have that. Um, so like I said, really really cool stuff. And then like I said, they they're nice hardcovers and they have these beautiful images on the spine that line up and make this awesome image for you. Um, I highly recommend them, uh, especially now that I have DC ones. I can speak knowledgeably about those. I do have some of the Transformers ones from the past. Those are a bit more expensive to get um, for the most part, um, but those are thicker ones and there's a lot more in them uh, and there's a lot of extra content in them. The DC ones, like I said, are just the story and that's it. It's just reprinting the story and that's it. This, the Transformers ones, there's like actual extra content in there. Uh, there's concept artwork and all this type of stuff. Um, but they're also shorter stature, so like they're, they don't, they're not, like I said, not full size as far as height. Um, but when it comes to the DC ones, they are. 
Uh, they are they're full size. They're a full size hardcover. Um, and like I said, I, I'm really really a big fan because I'm getting the full story, getting a really nice hardcover. I'm getting a cool image on the spine. So when it's on the bookshelf, it looks amazing and impressive. And it's not expensive to get. I mean, if you're talking, most of those is, most of those volumes are going to cost you seven to ten dollars. Yes, you have to get them from overseas. Yes, shipping can be expensive, so you have to watch out for that. But I think like you can. There's some U.S. dealers that sell them. Sometimes you can find some people local, you know, in the United States that sell them. Um, not a lot, but you can find some uh, that way. But I think like. Some of them I got like the issue the the hardcover edition for seven bucks and shipping cost me fifteen. So yeah, like twice what the volume cost me. But if you figure I got a nice hardcover edition for twenty two dollars that I'm super excited about having and looks amazing on my shelf. Yeah, totally for that. I will do that all day long. That's awesome. For a hundred bucks I can get you know five volumes of this. Yeah, I'll do that all day long. That's awesome. Um so just wanted to mention that because I was very excited about that. Uh, and now don't go out there and be buying them all up because I, I'm trying to get them, <laughs> but, um, but it's, it is very, very cool. Uh, I was very excited to finally have some of these and, um, and be able to kind of share my experience with them. So, uh, then we have, uh, so I also mentioned the dark Knight detective volume four, uh, that's in there. So that's the nineties stuff uh joker war hardcover uh collects that full story uh then we have crisis on multiple earths book one crossover so this is they've done this once before um it's they've done this trade before they're just it's just a new printing of it um then you have birds of prey hero hunters love this birds of prey series it's gail simone uh ed bennis art joe bennett art um all good good stuff there so uh, that's one i wish they would do like a uh complete collection series of like they've been doing the uh teen titans one they've been doing the jeff uh jeff john's uh young justice and they've also been doing the regular young justice series like i wish they would just do that with birds of prey like come out with volumes one two three i think they started doing that and maybe it didn't sell that well i don't know so now they're like picking and choosing story arcs but um, I wish they would just do the entire thing. Um, then we have uh, DC's greatest detective stories ever told. So looks like it's not just, well, it does have some a lot of Batman, but there's also like questions in there. Um, just a lot of de- uh, Detective Chimp is in there. So you have a lot of different stuff in there. Uh, Green Lantern by Jeff Johns, book four. So like I was just talking about how they do stuff like that. I wish they would do that with Birds of Prey. Uh, Green Lantern Circle of Fire. This is with uh, Kyle Rayner. It was a good story. Um, not one of my favorites. I thought it was a good story. I enjoyed it. Um, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, not something like that. Like, I'm happy I read it. It's not memorable for me, though. Um, then we have uh, Just League International Book 2 Around the World. So if you like collecting the Justice League International in trade. There's uh, a route for you. Justice Society of America, the demise of the, of the demise of justice. And this collects Justice Society of America one through eight adventure comics, one, uh, four 66 and all-star comics, 57. 
Uh, it says, in this 1990s tale set at the end of the golden age of comics, just Society of America must join forces one last time to stop the powerful Solomon Grundy in the immortal world conqueror known as Vandal Savage. So, very cool. Again, I'm a sucker for hardcovers, especially with, when it comes to material that I really like. So, um, Then we have Manhunter by Archie Goodwin and Walter Simonson, deluxe edition hardcovers. So that's very, very cool. They're collecting that. Um, then I just mentioned this earlier. We have the new, t- new Teen Titans. We have New Teen Titans Omnibus Volume 5, where you can get New Teen Titans Volume 12 trade paperback. So I've been getting this in trade paperbacks. Um, I think I had mentioned before, like, had I realized that they were going to be doing the Omnibus editions, I probably would have went that route. But I'm actually kind of happy about having the trades for the New Teen Titans. I, I love this run. Um, um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm happy to have the trades. So I'm good with that. Um, one thing, the sand, they have the Sandman, the deluxe edition book two. Uh, I have the absolute editions volumes one and two. I do want to get the rest of them. I think this goes up to volume five. I did see that those are more out of print now, so it's harder for them to, to find, to find them. And you're going to pay pretty much close to cover price where there for a while you get them like half of cover price for a long time. And I think it's because it was constantly always available. Now it's not constantly always available anymore. Um, then we have Superman by Grant Morrison omnibus. Yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> not big on that. Superman Kryptonite Nevermore. Uh, that's interesting. It's got uh, collects Superman 233 through 238, 240 through 242. I believe this just came out. Um, I was tempted to pick it up just because it's, it's a story. I don't know if I've ever read it or not. So something I, I kind of want to read. Oh, I mentioned last episode, the um, Superman, uh, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. I thought I had read that when I recorded that. And I realized I had never read that story, but I was able to get the hardcover editions that I mentioned in that episode. And I actually did sit down and read that story and it's exceptional. I really, really love it. Now, granted, it's also drawn by Kurt Swan, who is my favorite Superman artist, uh, so that helps a bit, but the story is really well done. Um, I also have the tale, uh, Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusader. Uh, I know I did read that a long time ago. I do want to sit down and read it again. So, um, Then we have Superman, The Man of Steel, Volume 2 hardcover, so this is the John Byrne stuff. Um, so looking forward to checking that out. And reading that, um, we got a bunch of Wonder Woman stuff, uh, including Wonder Woman by George Perez, Volume 5. So that's pretty awesome. Um, and then more Young Justice stuff, kind of wrapping up that run. I am sad to see the Young Justice title, and I think that was a very, very good series. I have the last few issues still to read of it, um, but what I read of it, I absolutely loved, and I'm sad to see that that actually went away. So, um, all right, that is all for issue five. Uh, so we're going to just jump right into issue six here. Uh, it's now a quarter to midnight. So I don't know if I will continue with this. We'll see. We'll see how awake I am. I did take a nap not that long ago. I'm a big fan of naps. Maybe people don't know that. Just going to share that. I don't know why, (laughs) but I'm just throwing that out there. So we have future state here. 
Uh, and what Future State is, it's a couple months of kind of like Elseworld stories um, where this could be a possible future of the DC universe. Uh, they're kind of acting like it definitely would be, but it's not necessarily because let's face it, we know that things change and you know, this isn't for sure the direction that the DC universe is going to go in, but it's interesting. It reminds me of kind of like their five years later that they did a while back, um, which that one did continue. So, but they just kept continuing from that point. This one, they're not continuing. They're doing two months of these future state stories, and then they're going to go back to the, the past. And they're going to have things that, hap- that happen in the past that give hints of future state actually happening. So, um, And I'll talk about what some of those things are. So um, I have read some of these. I have not read all of them. Uh, maybe I can give a report next time I do an episode on the other ones that I haven't that I will hopefully have read by then, but I have read a lot of these future state ones. Now they have Aquaman here. I have not read that one yet. The next Batman I have read. So with that, I read the first two issues of the next Batman. I really like the next Batman story itself. So you have the magistrate who oversees all of Gotham and it's kind of like a police force and they don't want masked vigilantes. In fact, they can shoot masked vigilantes on site. Um, Batman himself is supposedly dead. Uh, Bruce Wayne has been killed and days after Batman was killed, Bruce Wayne disappeared. Um, no one made the connection. Why? I don't know, but they evidently did something to make sure that that connection wasn't made. Um, and so now we have this, uh, uh, new Batman, uh, who is a member of the Fox family, uh, and, uh, it, I believe, I believe it's Jason Fox is the name. It's not Luke, Luke, uh, Luke Fox. Uh, it's certainly not, um, uh, Lucius Fox. Um, but I want to say it's, it's Jason Fox. I want to say that he, I think he goes by his middle name. He has a different first name, but anyways, it's really well done. I really like the story, really enjoying it. Um, the outsider story that they told, I, didn't think I would like it and read it and actually really enjoyed it. I really liked what they did. It focused a lot on Katana, um, which was a character I've always liked. And, um, that was a really good story. The Arkham Knight story is just kind of eh. Like, and I think what it is, I don't really like the Arkham Knight character. Like I get what they've done with her in the past and they're probably trying to bring her back and make her more important again just it's never been a character that I gravitated towards. I like the concept that she's enlisting Arkham inmates to help her on her quest and help her do what she needs to do. And I like how she manipulates them and and works them into believing they're more than what they are. But the story was just kind of okay. Like it wasn't anything that wowed me. Um, I much rather have just read, the next Batman story and had, and the price could have been a lot lower if it had just been that story. So, um, then there's uh, future state Batman and Superman, which I have not read that, but I heard what that is. It's kind of like leads up to it's, it's almost a little bit of a past story to show kind of what has led up to the state that they're in, uh, in future state, uh, future state Catwoman. I have not read yet. Dark detective. I've read, Really, really like that. 
Um, so with Dark Detective, what it is, is that Bruce Wayne is actually still alive. Uh, he is uh, wounded. He is. He doesn't have a lot of his gadgets anymore. He's out on the streets trying to trying to make do. <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, the uh, artwork by Dan Mora is gorgeous. The story by Mariko Tamaki is actually really, really good. Um, I'm really enjoying that. I've only read the first issue so far. I haven't read the second issue. Um, I could do without the grifter story in the back. Um, again, it's an okay story, but you could have just kept it being the dark detective story and I would have been much happier. So, uh, future state flash. Uh, I did read, I don't remember a lot of it, which isn't a good, it's not a good sign. Um, I'm almost positive I read the Flash one, but, um, but like I said, I, I just even looking at the cover, I'm like, I don't really remember a whole lot. Oh, wait, I do. It was a pretty good story. It's, it's basically Wally West is, um, possessed by a being and it's taking all of the, um, speed force from other Flash characters. Um, I don't like how they're constantly abusing Wally West. Like I want my Wally West back. You brought him back actually in flash forward. And then you brought him back again in death metal. That's my Wally West. And now you're messing with him again. <laughs> so not happy. That's why I didn't remember him repressing it. Um, future state green lantern. Um, I, I read this, uh, the main story with John Stewart, the story is good. I don't care for the artwork. Uh, just not really my, you know, uh, it's by Clayton Henry. Um, I, I don't really care for it. And I really don't like what they did with, uh, Gnort, um, or Nort or however you want to say it. I don't, they turned him into like this savage beast werewolf type character and no that's not nort nort is like he's the bumbling buffoon like you can make him a green lantern and make him part of the team and and be helpful and everything else but don't turn him into a badass nort's never been a badass he never should be a badass um so i didn't like that i i like the story and it definitely has a hell of a cliffhanger at the end of it um but yeah, I just, I didn't like what they did with Nort. And like I said, I'm just not a fan of the artwork that much. Um, now the story with Guy Gardner, uh, that was pretty good. Uh, I'm not the biggest Guy Gardner fan. So me actually enjoying a Gar Guy Gardner story, um, that was actually pretty well done. Uh, I liked, I liked what they did with it up until the very end of it. So they had Guy Gardner, uh, so the green lantern, basically what's happened is the green lantern rings aren't working anymore. Uh, they have not revealed what happened to cause this, but they just don't work. And so John Stewart and his group are still trying to be the police force in the galaxy and trying to help save people. Uh, the guy Gardner story is, shows what happens right as the rings go out. And again, we don't know why. But Guy Gardner was going to this one planet to take care of something. Uh, the beings there saw him as a possible god. So he played it up to, to help fix the situation. And then all of a sudden, he, his ring gave out and he crashes into a hut. Um, and they still see him as a god. So he uses that to keep these two feuding families 
at peace with each other. Like they always were fighting. He got them to not fight. He learned their language. And um, then near the end, they start fighting again for reasons that I thought was interesting. But then like Lobo shows up and it just seemed stupid to bring him in. <laughs> so, um, cause he had a pretty good story going without him being in it. Uh, the Jessica Cruz story I loved. That was actually really good. Again, she doesn't have her power ring, but the Sinestro rings are working perfectly fine. And there's some Sinestro characters, uh, that, that I like that show up on this one station and Jessica Cruz has to deal with them herself. It's got a bit of a little bit of an alien vibe to it. Um, with some of the stuff that she has to do and everything else, but it, it's very well done. I really, I liked that story a lot more than anything else. Um, now the surprise hit the surprise, the one I did not expect to like, in fact, I went in because of the cover of this and everything else. I expected to not like this issue at all. Like this was going to be one of those ones where I was just going to read it. I was going to be like, this one's not for me, but I'll read it and see what it's like. Cause I know what Harley Quinn stories have been like in the past. Some are good. Like Harleen is a fantastic story. The black label book, Harleen. That is the Har Harley Quinn stories that I love. So when I saw this, I was like, okay, she looks goofy on the cover. This is definitely a case of do not judge a book by its cover. She looks goofy on the cover. The logo and everything else makes it seem like it's just going to be her being wacky with the magistrate stuff going on. Oh no, this is a really good story. This, this is one of my favorite future state stories that I've read so far. And I don't say that tongue in cheek. I am not being sarcastic at all. I actually really like this story. So what happens is Harley Quinn gets captured. Um, and she is her, she is asked to utilize her psychological background, her psychiatry background to, uh, track down and capture um, other villains. Uh, so like professor pig and stuff like that. And she uses hers. Like she, she acts like wacky Har Harley Quinn, but she also shows that she knows what she's talking about as far as why there's certain motivations for certain characters. So like she explains why professor pig does the things that he does and how you can use that against them to catch them. And that's what they do. And it works. Um, I love that. Like that's, that's the Harley Quinn. I like reading. She's wacky. She's zany, but she's extremely intelligent and she knows that how people's minds work and she uses that and she's using it now to kind of save her own life. So she's kind of being forced in this situation. This, this was a really, really good story. And if you passed on Harley Quinn, because like me, you looked at the cover and went, Oh, this is her being stupid with a baseball bat, beating up people, and it's going to be jokey and everything else. No, it is not. It's not at all. Like, yes, there's humorous moments in it, but this is how you do a Harley Quinn book where she's just not a, uh, a cheap Deadpool knockoff. Like, that's what Harley Quinn has become to me in a lot of cases, that she is DC's version of Deadpool. And I hate it when they do that. Um, cause she's a cool ass character without that. Um, I mentioned last episode that I like punchline more than Harley Quinn. And that is why I've liked punchline more than Harley Quinn is because Harley Quinn has turned into the knockoff version of Deadpool, DC's version of Deadpool. 
this issue, if they keep going in this direction, I will be a huge Harley Quinn fan because this is the Harley Quinn that I want to read. I am so hoping they continue down this path. I don't think they're going to. (laughs) I want them to. I don't think they're going to. But this is the Harley Quinn that I want to read. So, um, I mentioned earlier that I wasn't sure what direction they were going in with Wonder Woman. And uh, here's why. So, I read um, Death Metal number 7. Uh, which they kind of showed what they were doing. Now we have Immortal Wonder Woman. I don't. I have not read this yet. Um, this is one of the next ones on my stack to read. So uh, I'm looking forward to checking that out. The covers kick ass, and I even got the uh, variant cover also, just because I thought it was kind of cool. It's kind of a different art style. Um, it's more of a manga looking art style, uh, but I I liked how it looked, so I picked it up. Um, there's also a story featuring Diana Prince and Nubia, which I don't know who Nubia is. I hope I learn who Nubia is in this issue. Um, Justice League, uh, Future State Justice League, number one. I read this, uh, really liked it. Uh, I liked the Justice League Dark story a bit more, although I will say the Justice League Dark story probably didn't need to necessarily be a Future State story. I, I know the elements in there that make it a Future State story, um, but you probably could have done it without that and still been a cool Justice League Dark story, but it, it's a really good story. Uh, the Justice League story is also really good. I like what they're doing there. Um, I like being introduced to some of the characters. So you have a Flash character in there. You have an Aqua Woman character in there um, that hasn't been introduced in, in anything else. Uh, now the Aqua Woman character might be an Aquaman story. I don't know. Um, but I don't think I saw the Flash character in the Flash story. So, um, and so I will say that the Flash character is a non-binary character. Um, I've been seeing a couple of things that are stressing that and pointing that out. I don't know if DC themselves is pointing that out a whole lot. Um, when I read the story, it kind of just happened naturally. So they, I don't remember them actually pointing anything out other than one of the characters referred to they instead of he or she. Um, it did throw me off at first because I was like, I, I know they, that non-binaries sometimes use they and them pronouns. Um, that does get confusing. Um, I, I, I will admit, I'm not trying to be critical or anything like that, but when you're reading it especially, it's just like, I, um, it took me a second to be like, oh, they're referring to this one character as they and, and them. Because um, there for a while I thought they were talking about multiple characters. So I was like, is this Flash multiple people? Like, cause I, especially when we're dealing with a character like the Flash where maybe it was like multiple people um, phasing together, like phasing in and out, like combining together. Um, I thought maybe that's what they were doing. I was like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. Um, that's not what they were doing. They were, they were stressing the fact that the character's non-binary. That doesn't mean I wanted them to point it out. And, I'm, and they didn't. They, they just kind of it just, it it was exactly what I mentioned in the last episode I would want them to do. When you're creating a story, tell the good story. And the stuff about the character is stuff about the character. And I'll pick up on what those things are. And readers will pick up on what those things are. Um, but those don't have to be the, the thing that you're pushing in front of people 
for that say, hey, here's here's the story. Um, is that because the story for here should be about the Justice League, and that's what the story was about. Um, you can do character moment stories where you're dealing with the character that's non-binary and so that you can do that, but they they just made it very natural, and I loved that. I actually really loved the fact that it was just here's this character and they referred to the character as they and them and you know and like I said it threw me off initially just because I wasn't sure it, it didn't throw me off because the character was not binary it threw me off because I didn't know I, I, it took me a second to pick up on that's what it was that's why they were using they and them but I picked up on it pretty quickly uh, as I think most readers would um, and it was a non-issue like they didn't they didn't stress it in the sense that, like, they were throwing it in your face. They just had this character there as part of the Justice League. This, the, they were telling a story with this character, and this character was non-binary. Like, that's awesome. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's just this character's part of the team. Like, you can't see me, but I was like waving my arms, like, very matter-of-factly, like, that's that's what's going on <laughs> like um so i was very happy to to read that and that that and like i said you can do character moments or little arcs or one shots or whatever like that where if you were to continue with the story where you have that character f- dealing with things in their life because of those choices because of i shouldn't say choices but because of that's what they are who they are whatever um because it's not a choice; it's that's how you feel and everything. Um, so, like, you can do stuff like that. That's totally fine. Um, but it's very different from what I was talking about when I was talking about uh, commanders in crisis. Like, that was just like, boom! Here, you have to. This is this is why you have to care about these characters. I actually cared about this character in Justice League because I got to know the character. And I got to see the character interact with the rest of the Justice League, the rest of the characters and everything else. And what's interesting with this too is that because something happened with the original Justice League and it caused a horrible thing to happen and because of that, this new Justice League comes together to take care of a problem but they're not supposed to interact with each other outside of working together. But some of them feel like doing that causes them to be a less effective team and some of them get together outside of just the justice league when they're not supposed to so like that type of interpersonal interaction was very cool and it was it was interesting and it got me to care about these characters and that's what it should be about is it should be caring about the characters and caring about the story so kudos to them for doing that um the story i have liked the least so far is uh, Kara Zor-El Superwoman. Uh, really, I, and I actually thought I was going to really like this because I really liked the artwork on the cover, um, but that wasn't the artwork on the inside. The artwork on the inside, so I think this will appeal to some people who are really into, like, uh, I don't even want to say a manga look because it's not really manga even. It's it's just got like this Japanese watercolor painted style look to it, um, which I think looks beautiful and I think looks really nice. 
but not for a superhero comic. Like it just didn't work for me. And again, maybe it's just, maybe somebody else loved it. Maybe someone else was like, Oh my God, this is the type of comic I've been looking for is something that's superhero, but is, is pretty like this. Like, cause it's a, it's pretty. Um, it just didn't work for me. Like it just was an art style that did not work for me at all. Um, but like I said, they're, they're at least experimenting. They're trying different looks and, and everything else. And that's great. Um, and like I said, maybe someone saw it and was, oh my God, this is perfect for me. It wasn't for me. Uh, and I felt like the story was bland. Um, the story, like for something supposed to be future state, supposed to be really grasping you. The story was so basic. And, and also you killed crypto in the story. Like he was already, crypto's already dead. You don't kill a dog. Pissed me off. <laughs> I'm a dog person. Don't, don't kill the, don't have the dog already dead in the story. Crypto's awesome. Um, but yeah, the story was just, just, it was boring. And then I didn't care for the artwork for this type of story. Like I think the artwork's pretty. I just didn't care for it for this type of story. So therefore I didn't like the artwork. And then the story's blah. This, this, I have, I did not like the Superwoman issue at all. Uh, Legion of Superheroes I haven't read yet. Nightwing, I, number one, I, don't believe I read this one yet. Um, Robin Eternal, I did read. I really enjoyed that. Um, it's uh, Tim Drake, Robin, and uh, I. Yeah, I really liked it. If you're looking for something that, like, it's nothing wow type story, but it's it's a good solid story. And if you're looking for something that is like just a good Batman style story. Um, in this future world, that's, this is the one to read. So, uh, Shazam, I have not read yet. Suicide Squad, I heard it was really good, but I haven't read it. Superman of Metropolis, I read the first issue of this, uh, really liked it. Um, the Mr. Miracle story, I didn't really care for the artwork. I thought the story was pretty good. Um, artwork wasn't to, to my liking. Um, and, uh, let's see. Trying to see who the artist was on that. Uh, let's see. Guard is uh, written by, art by Valentin de Delandro. So, yeah, I, it just wasn't to my liking. Um, it wasn't bad. I just, it just, I just didn't like it. Um, and then the Guardian story. It, the Guardian story kind of jumped around a bit. In fact, the Guardian story got some, got its timeline wrong. That's I remember that. So they show this whole thing where he's driving a van that has explosives in it and then goes over the rails, and then it says 24 hours earlier, so it does one of those types of things. And then they're telling a story, and then they go 72 hours later. So 72 hours later would be two days past what we just saw 24 hours earlier yet 72 hours later led up to what uh, led up to him driving this van off the rails. And when I was reading it, I was like, okay, well, I guess this jump ahead of 72 hours later is going to, sh is showing me that he survived that van. Maybe we're going to find out how, but no, they just screwed up the timeline. Like that was, that wasn't meant to be, 24 hours earlier. It couldn't have been, it had to, they must have meant to be like 72 hours earlier 
and then 72 hours later showing him going off because yeah they fucked that up big time like i'll go back and relook at it to see if they if maybe i got it wrong i don't know i could have swore i went back to it again though and went wait a minute no this doesn't add up screwed up big time (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna say i'm gonna put it out there maybe i'm wrong if i'm wrong let me know i'm wrong i can handle it but pretty sure they screwed that timeline up big time and that ruined the story for me because I was just like, not that I was like super wild by the story, but I was just like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. Um, Superman of Metropolis. This is with uh, Jonathan Kent. Um, I thought it was a pretty good story. Uh, not anything amazing. I really liked the artwork, um, but it was a solid story. Like I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Superman versus Imperious Rex I, or Imperious Lex. I have not read that yet or, or Worlds. Uh, or Superman World of War. Um, Superman One Roman's probably the next in line for the story I liked the least. Um, so, and it's because it was like Superman and Wonder Woman in name only. Because, yes, they both are in the story. Yes, they do interact a bit. But it's very much Superman stuff going on and Wonder Woman stuff going on. Plus, you have Solaris being the big bad in this thing. I hate that character. Solaris, if you don't know, is a character from DC 1 million. I think that's the first appearance of him. But it's just a giant sun that eats other suns and destroys planets. It's the stupidest ass looking thing in the world. It's a big round ball with spikes coming out of it that ignites like a sun with an eyeball in the middle. Like, it's it's dumb as hell looking. It was created by Grant Morrison. Um, if it was the DC 1 million, it was created by Grant Morrison. I hate it. I don't, I, it, I don't like it. I, in fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's my least, it's, it's the thing I hate the most. I'm not going to say it's my least favorite. It's the thing I hate the most of all villains. Like line up all the villains. I'm going to put Solaris at the very end of that. And I challenge you to tell me a villain that's worse than Solaris. Like, throw one out there for me that you think I probably should hate more than Solaris. I challenge you to do that. Like, and I'm not talking about, like... Hell, I'll I'll talk about any other medium. I was about to say, like, I'm not talking about other stuff like... Like, uh, Star Wars, where you're going to mention Jar Jar. I'll take Jar Jar over Solaris any day, and Jar Jar's not even a villain. (laughs) I'll still take him. If you want to put him in that category as a villain, I accept that. And I'll still take Jar Jar over Solaris. Solaris is the dumbest ass thing in the world. (laughs) Um, And I hate that he's in this story. I hate how he's used in this story. I think the the story wasn't good. Like, I hated the Superwoman story. This is a close, close second. Um, The artwork's okay. Uh, You know, it's fine. Um... But, yeah, I didn't like this story at all. Um, there was a whole thing with the new Wonder Woman that she, you know, there was like a, this little political thing at the beginning. People were making a big deal out of it. It wasn't a big deal, but it also was just kind of like, this isn't what I read in the Wonder Woman story, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, it wasn't, it just, yeah, it, it was just kind of, but it was just kind of like a funny little thing that they did. They threw in there. Um felt a little bit out of place with how the rest of the issue went, but it was fine. Like it wasn't a big deal to me. 
but like just the rest of the story, it, it just wasn't good. Um, yeah, didn't care for it. And I was actually hopeful for that one. Swamp Thing, I haven't read yet. Looking forward to reading that. Teen Titans. It. This one was... This is number three for least favorite. <laughs> um, it was fun. Like, there was things that were interesting with it. Because, like, they're in this... Like, uh, the Teen Titans Tower is decimated. Uh, there's wreckage there. They went cold looking for some stuff. Um, then, like, Dick Grayson puts on Deathstroke's mask. There's something going on with Red X. Um, there's, like, just some flashback things that was kind of interesting, but it was, it was, there was a lot of jumping back and forth, and that, that, that can be done very effectively or it can be done very sloppily. And the, this one came across a little bit more sloppily than anything else. So um, I think that's what kind of threw me off the most. Uh, Wonder Woman's Future State Wonder Woman. Loved this issue. Thought this was great. Uh, and the interesting thing with this was, so you have this uh, Yara Floor, who is the new Wonder Woman. We don't know... Why she's the new Wonder Woman, we don't know her origin or anything like that going into this story. We know nothing about her, really, um, other than she is the new Wonder Woman. But guess what? It didn't matter. You, it, like, these don't all, like, if it, you're interested in a new character, it doesn't always need to start off with their origin. I'm sure we're going to get her origin after this whole future state thing's over, because I'm sure they're going to introduce her, and we're going to get her origin and all that type of stuff. So for this story, they just went into a story, and she's dealing with... Uh, mythological creatures it's um there's there's some fun little side characters and everything else that she interacts with it was a really well done story it was very very enjoyable like this is my next favorite after the harley quinn issue the Har it's shocking i know to say that harley quinn was my favorite issue but it was my, it was my favorite issue um then no wonder woman then uh dark knight dark detective and then the next batman those were like my top favorite ones. Um, Wonder Woman was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to reading the next issue. Um, like, it's it's a little bit sad because I want to keep reading this with this creative team, and I don't think that this creative team's continuing um, in telling stories of this character, but if they do, great. I will continue uh, reading it. So, um, yeah, I really liked it because it was like, yeah, Wonder Woman in a mythological world, fighting mythological things and dealing with life and everything else. And that's that's what I feel like Wonder Woman should a lot of times be about. Yes, you can bring her into other things, but I've always felt like the, a lot of the Wonder Woman stories I've read didn't deal enough with the mythological stuff. Um, and this one did like it was just I place like I, I thought it was very well done and I really really liked it so um let's see going forward um just trying to get past some of the stuff that we've already talked about um that's funny there's Looney Tunes two, issue 258 which has uh Roadrunner on standing on the moon and says uh break for asteroid and you have Wiley e. coyote that's off of the moon or off of the asteroid and 
he's holding the sign up that says yikes so he must uh, it looks like his rocket is broken so that that's I don't know just classic Looney Tunes just made me laugh made me smile um, let's see we have now we're getting into trades and hardcovers here um, let's see so you have uh, DC poster portfolio Joel Jones so Joel Jones is uh, who was on the Wonder Woman issue I was just talking about so that's pretty awesome Green Arrow 80 Years of the Emerald Archer Deluxe Edition hardcover this has not come out yet um, but really like the fact that they that it's not always Superman and Batman that they do these anniversary things with so I'm glad to see that they're doing more than that um, if you ever wanted to read the Dark Multiverse stories uh, and wanted them all in one lump thing there's the Tales from the Dark Multiverse trade paperback so that collects uh, five of the stories that are out there um, and that's that's it when it comes to DC so uh, I'm looking at they got a bunch of the figures and stuff like that it's like clearing going out of business sale when it comes to a lot of these figures that are out there um, really like the Todd McFarlane Batman statue um, and I really like the uh, Catwoman uh, Joelle Jones in her wedding dress like that looks pretty cool too like if you can get Bruce Wayne or a Batman in a tuxedo put next to that that'd be kind of cool um, I don't think they did that but I wonder if that would have came later had they continued uh, with the DC Direct stuff so um, that is it for DC uh, I think I'm going to call it a night it is a quarter after midnight right now uh, and, uh, what I might do is I might just pick this up again tomorrow and we will cover previews and Marvel and, uh, yeah. So I think I did enough talking for tonight. We're at about a, almost around an hour and a half or so. So, uh, I will talk to you guys in just a few seconds on, on your side, probably a whole another day or so on my side. So I'll talk to you then. Okay, guys, so we are back. Uh, it's been actually a few days. I was hoping to continue recording uh, the next day. Uh, however, that just didn't pan out. But uh, it's now Wednesday, uh, February 3rd, I believe. Uh, so I don't have my calendar by me or my phone. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's Wednesday night around 1030. I'm uh, going to try to get through the rest of the previews here uh, for you guys. Not a whole lot's happened since uh, the last time I recorded with you guys. Uh, I did get an email today that unfortunately the printing of my comic is going to be uh, delayed. It's uh, it's printed, it's just the shipping delay, uh, which they anticipate might happen as far as it getting to the port. Then once it's to the port, then it's got to get to the printing look. Uh, central location and then they ship it to me uh but it's only delayed by a week so it still puts me on the right time frame and everything else so um so that's what's going on with that um also had the chance to listen to the last episode uh that i put out there a bit more and everything else and also thinking about like stuff i've said recently and all that um like i never want the stuff that i'm saying to come across too harsh and i hope it doesn't come across too harsh 
I mean, yes, there are certain things that I do mean as harsh as I say them. So, in other words, like I said, the person that had was causing issues and wanted to be a bully. I don't have time for people like that. I don't have any effort for people like that. Um, it gets very frustrating. Uh, attack on the Capitol. I know I talked about that. Like, I don't have, that stuff infuriates me because it's like we should not be attacking each other. You can be passionate about stuff. You can care about stuff deeply. But putting people's lives in danger um, shouldn't really be done ever uh, by anybody. So, um, so like that stuff all bothers me. But like, um, like I said, I, I talked about some stuff before also where it was like, you know, oh, you know, you should never tell someone something's not for them. And then I kind of turned around and said, you know, like, if you're this type of person, this is not the show for you. If you don't want to listen, that's fine. And I don't mean that to sound like a contradiction because it's not. What I'm really saying is if, if you're not enjoying listening to the show, if you're not enjoying a comic that you're reading or, or something like that, you don't need to tune into that show. I don't mean necessarily this particular show, although if you don't enjoy listening to me and the things I talk about uh, or the, the guys that I have on with me that are my co-hosts and my good friends and stuff like that, then you don't need to listen to the show. Like it's, I've talked about it in the past. It's like in the eighties, it's changing the channel. You don't, if you don't like something, you put on something you do like, so, you know, if there's thousands and thousands of podcasts out there. I appreciate every single person that listens to this. I'm, I'm thankful that you do. It, it means the world to me. You have no idea how much it means to me. Um, and when my comic gets out there and people are reading it, I hope they enjoy it. If someone doesn't, that's fine. And I, I'd like to hear from the people that don't. I, it helps me get better at doing what I want to be doing. So, um, so yeah, and that's really what I mean by that. Um, I know I've talked a lot about agenda comics lately. Um, I don't mean to keep bringing it up. It's just that they're always present and they're always the thing that turns me off from a comic. Uh, sometimes it's just there, there's just not a good story or something like that. And I do talk about those things also, but... Um, but yeah, like when your focus of telling a story isn't, and isn't telling the story anymore, then that's the problem. So, and I, I feel like we lose sight of that. Like these are meant to be fun things. These are meant to be fun stories and you can get life lessons from them and you can get deeper messages out of them. And the, the point of it can be a deeper message, but it should be to convey a story that helps convey that. So that's that's when I talk about those types of things when someone I feel like isn't, that isn't their focus anymore. Um, you know, I, I've listened to a lot of things when it, uh, comes to, I listen to a guy called, uh, YouTube channel called comics by perch. Uh, he's a comic shop owner. He looks at data, looks at raw numbers. He's like, this is, you know, in his opinion, that's what you should be paying attention to. And, you know, and seeing what is working and what isn't working and the things that are not working are like all these relaunches, these reboots, because then the number two issue takes a deep dive and stuff like that. And I know why publishers constantly are putting out new number ones is because the new number one will sell 70, 80,000 issues, sometimes even more. And then, but then number two comes down to like 40,000. Um, so they'll run with that for a little while but then when it dips enough and they're like, okay, let's bring in a new number one and they get enough boosts and sales 
to make that a viable option, but it's not a long-term plan. And does and when you look at the data, like I said, I've been watching this comics by Perch, and he he's looking at numbers and and hard facts, and numbers don't lie, you know. So um, so you, you look at that stuff and, and you see what's going on in the industry and everything else, um, and then you look at the impact that social media has. So like podcasts, like myself. Uh, Twitter, you know, all versions of social media, they don't have a huge impact. Now, I do pride myself on the fact that a lot of times when you guys are listening to the show, that you find something that you like. You hear me talk about something that you're like, oh, this, that sounds like something that I would think is really cool. Ryan was talking about it. it sound, he, he sounded excited about it. And I've had people blame me for sending them down rabbit holes of, you know, like, you know, thanks a lot, Ryan, because of you now I'm collecting this or whatever. Um, and I wear that like a badge of honor because, uh, you know, that's, I, I hope that you find something, uh, I hope you're entertained first, but then I hope that you also find something that you can be excited about and passionate about and, and enjoy, even if it's just something that brings you a little bit of enjoyment in your life. That's, you know, that's why I do the show is just because I have fun doing it and I hope other people have fun listening to it. So and then get something out of it, maybe. Um, life's, I'm finding out more and more that life is way too short to be troubled with the, the horrible things that are going on and, um, and people that want to, uh, promote that side of things. So, um, yeah, shitty things happen in life. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, I know there's probably a lot of you guys out there that have had some really horrible things happen in your life. And, uh, and my heart goes out to you and I hope things have turned around or things will turn around, um, or have turned around if it was something in your past. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just, it, I really want to focus on the good stuff. Uh, obviously I'm reviewing comics here and, and stories here and everything else. So not everything is going to be something that is my cup of tea, but, uh, and I'll always talk about that and pass it along to you guys. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I just, I thought about some of the stuff I said recently and I just wanted to make sure like that you guys know, like I do appreciate everybody that listens to the show and I do appreciate the feedback I get and I appreciate, um, and I want people to listen to the show. Like that's the thing I've noticed with some comic creators out there again, not all. And I think I mentioned this recently, it's not all it's, it's a vocal minority. Uh, thankfully from everything I can tell. Um, but the problem is that they're very vocal is that they do this whole thing of like, screw the rest of the world. Like they're, they're the, the anarchy type people where it's just like, um, you know, the rebel, the rebellious, uh, the rebelling against society type of thing. Um, and I understand that like create creative people can sometimes be like that. Um, but they shouldn't be the majority. Like most people that I know personally in the comic book industry, they just love doing comics. They love being able to tell these stories and they love that the fans that enjoy them. Um, and that's the stuff I'm focusing on when I'm trying to do my part in that world is, you know, I just want to tell awesome stories and hope people enjoy them. Um, so, uh, and that's what I hope with the show. I hope with the show that, like I said, people find some enjoyment out of it. Um, that's what I'm here for. So, so enough of that soapbox, uh, like I said, it was just something I've been thinking about since the last time I recorded. And, uh, like I said, I do, I just want people to know that I do appreciate you listening. 
how really I said, if you, if you're not enjoying it, that's fine. Uh, there's, there's a lot of other shows out there. I don't say that like, well, if this, if you don't like this then this isn't the show for you, that's not the case. I want the show to be for you. I want you to enjoy it. Um, but if you don't, that's, that's okay too. It's, it's okay not to like something. Um, it's just not okay to be nasty about it to other people. And I guess that's the big thing. And that, that's the thing that, you know, and, and it's not just Star Wars fandom, but there's other fandoms, uh, pretty much every fandom out there has got a lot of that toxic fandom. But obviously I, I have personal connections with Star Wars and I see that in in Star Wars when it comes to the new movies, when it comes to the new material and everything else. Like people just want to get nasty about stuff and like they want people to get fired and they want this and that and everything, you know, they, they want to think you're an idiot and your taste and stuff is horrible if you enjoy you know, the new stuff, it's okay to not enjoy it. It's okay for you to not like it. It's not okay for you to make it your personal crusade to go at every single aspect of it and get nasty with people about it. It's just, it's not okay to do that. It's not okay in anything to do that. So, um, but yeah, so, all right, let's get into some comics here. Let's talk some fun stuff. Uh, I got previews here. This is the main previews catalog from October. Um, so, uh, first thing in here is Reckless uh, from Image Comics. Uh, it's Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. I have heard nothing but amazing things with this. I do have this. I just have not read it yet, but it's an original graphic novel. I guess they're going to do a series, I believe, of three of these um, where they're all kind of related to each other in this world. It's honestly, it's not typically the type of thing that I would read. Um, it's not necessarily a slice of life thing, but it's close to slice of life. Like it's, I tend to like a little bit of non-reality in my comics and stuff that I read. I've read things that aren't like, that are more grounded in real world that I think have been very good and have really enjoyed. Um, but typically with comics, like I want my superheroes, I want my fantasy worlds, I want sci-fi i want horror like i want something that i'm trying to escape reality so something that's a little too grounded even if there's some fantastical things with it even if it's like a super action-packed thing or something like that like it just doesn't appeal to me as much like uh, i'll give you an example the the james bond comics like i like james bond movies i've enjoyed them you know it's different from movies to comics to books and stuff like that like I guess different. And I don't know if you guys are like that or not. Uh, let me know if you are like comment on this episode. Like, are you somebody that like, depending on the genre or the medium, I should say not the genre, but depending on the, well, I guess the genre plays into it too, but like depending on the medium, are there certain genres you like and dislike? So like they said, I'm not really a slice of life person. I'm not really like, like a, a grounded action type person when it comes to comic stories, but I'll definitely watch an action movie. I will definitely watch a real to life drama movie, um, TV show, that type of stuff. Um, I've also mentioned in the past, like I'm not into campy, uh, like live action stuff, like the over the top camp stuff, which is why I've never liked the Batman 66 stuff. Um, but you put that into an animated version like Batman Brave and the Bold, I'm all about it. I I like animated campiness. Um, so 
So like when I saw this reckless, I was like, this isn't really the type of comic that I want to read. Now, would I watch a movie like this? Absolutely. In a heartbeat, I would. Um, but it wasn't something that I necessarily would gravitate towards in a comic. However, it's Ed Brubaker and it's Sean Phillips. And I know nothing but amazing things that come out of these guys. So, um, so yeah, I picked it up. I am actually looking forward to sitting down and reading it. Uh, just haven't had the opportunity to do so yet. So, um, then we have, let's see, uh, skipping ahead here, uh, crossover number two. Uh, I did read crossover number one. I don't know if I mentioned that in a previous episode. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I have not read issue number two. Uh, I don't know why I haven't yet. I think issues three and maybe four are already out. Um, I know at least issue three is out. Um, but I loved the first issue, so I really need to sit down and read the other issues that I have of it. Um, it's by Donny Cates, so he, it's, it's, he's been an all-star right now when it comes to comic book storytelling. Um, it is... In my opinion, this is a must-read for anyone that likes comic books. If you like reading comic books and you like the world of comic books, um, you like something that maybe will break that wall a little bit, um, this is the comic for you. Because it it really, it's basically what what would happen if everything we knew from fictional storytelling all of a sudden became part of our world. Like, that's what happens in this, is like all of a sudden... Everything we knew, so like Superman and Batman and Labyrinth and um, Jaws and like just anything you can think of that was like fictional, all of a sudden was reality. Like it became part of our world. Um, That's kind of the gist behind this story. So it it works really well. Um, I'm looking forward to reading more of it. So, uh, like I said, if you are a comic fan, and it's mostly focused on the comic stuff, so even though I mentioned stuff like Labyrinth and Jaws and stuff like that, I don't think it really touches into that, but it's more so the comic world stuff. So you got, like, fantasy elements, sci-fi elements, all that type of stuff plays into it. Um, Then we have Overwatch, uh, Tracer, London, Calling. I have never played Overwatch, however... I'm really intrigued by the world of it because I like the designs of a lot of the characters. Like I've, I've watched a lot of the YouTube clips of like some of the, um, like when they're introducing certain characters and stuff like that, they did a lot of that before the game came out. Um, and I watched a lot of those. So I, I've seen about who Tracer is and everything. Um, and I've seen some of the cutscenes and everything else. It looks like a really cool world. I just don't really play video games anymore at all. Um, I just don't find myself at the time for it. Like I, I loved playing video games at one time, but I, I would sit there and play a video game for three, four hours. I don't find myself with three, four hours anymore. And could I, yeah, would my wife have any issues with that? No, like she'd be fine if like, if that's the thing that I really enjoy. Um, but like, I don't really sit and do anything for, that long period of time anymore other than podcasting and other than having to work. (laughs) Like I'll sit there and maybe watch uh, something on TV for a couple hours. Um, But yeah, I don't really do anything for three, four hours anymore. Like um, other than sleep and the other things I mentioned. So um, yeah, I just video game. I kind of just like kind of, 
fell out of that because um, there's just so much other things that I would rather be doing. Like I would rather be reading comics. I would rather be podcasting. So like those types of things start filling in that, that time slot. They're still in entertainment things are still enjoyable and everything else. Um, I still like to try to keep up sometimes with what's going on in video games as far as from a story standpoint. So like there's certain stories that I will watch like a YouTube video. Like if someone's doing a walkthrough or something like that, I'll watch uh, a little bit of it or something like that. I, I'm, I can't sit there and watch, you know, three hours of it in one sitting, but I have watched some that are, you know, three hour walkthroughs. Uh, in bits and pieces, like I'll actually come back to it and continue watching it because the story is really good. So, um, but yeah, Overwatch, uh, this looked interesting. It's kind of delves into this world that I find interesting. I have gotten the uh, character guide, I think, that Dark Horse did not that long ago. Um, I just haven't gone through it or anything like that, but it, it may, or it may have been like the art of Overwatch or something like that. Uh, since you guys know, I've mentioned before, like that's the type of world that, uh, or the type of stuff I like to look, look into and explore is I I love concept art and everything else. So like, if you're new to listening to this stuff, welcome number one. Um, but yeah, like things you're going to find out that that I enjoy. I love art and concept stuff, like behind the scenes type stuff, uh, multiverse type things, alternate realities, all that fun stuff. Uh, you hear me talk about hardcover editions of things. That's what I prefer versus trade paperbacks. Um, they just hold up longer. They look nicer. All the, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, their value tends to last longer. Although I've been seeing a lot of trade paperbacks because they go out of print. Also, and the value like skyrockets. Um, but yeah, just uh, like I said, you're going to learn a lot about my personal interests and everything else. And whether you and to go back to what I was talking about earlier, whether you agree and are like, yeah, I like that stuff too, or you disagree that's fine too. Like put in the comments of the episode, like, Hey, I know that you talked about how much you really like, um, you don't like slice of life stuff. I love that stuff. That's my favorite stuff. And here's why I like that type of stuff. I would love to hear that. Like, that's interesting to me to have that type of conversation. Um, or maybe you don't like, uh, art and concept type stuff, uh, because maybe you just like seeing the world as it is like that's how my wife kind of is like she's not really all that interested in the behind the scenes of various things as much as i am uh sometimes she gets into them but most of the time she's just like i'm just living in the moment of whatever the show is whatever the movie is um you know she doesn't try figuring out who did something or what's going to happen next where my brain just constantly is doing that um she just lives in that moment of so when something does happen, there's like a little twist or whatever. She does not see it coming. Uh, and I think that's a wonderful thing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'd love to hear, like I said, I'd love to hear from you guys, like anything that I'm talking about, whether you agree with me, don't agree with me, want to expand upon something. Like if you do agree with me, expand upon it. If you don't agree with me, you know, tell me what, why you don't agree. Like what, what is, what are the things that you enjoy? That's the stuff I want to hear. Uh, going back to the art of stuff, uh, we have The Legend of Korra, the art of the animated series, book one, Air. Um, I have not watched this. I've only started watching The Last Airbender, uh, which I've heard is phenomenal. I've only watched a few episodes of it. I like it. It's just not something that yet that is making me go, oh, I got to watch like the next three episodes, four episodes, five episodes. Like I know people that just adore it. Maybe it's 
maybe it's because it's something that somebody grew up with as it was coming out. Because uh, I've certainly had those things. Hell, that's what this show's about. <laughs> um, you might not understand my passion for Transformers or G.I. Joe or something like that because for you it was just already out there when when you could have been interested in it. And it was just like, well, it's fine. I don't know why you like it as much as you do. Or same thing with Star Wars. Like, um, I have an insane passion for Star Wars. And, um, you know, maybe for you, like, there are already six movies out by the time you're listening, you know, by the time you could start watching the movies. So it's, and then now all this stuff, new stuff's coming out and you're just like, yeah, Star Wars is fine. I don't get why you're so passionate about it. But for someone like me who grew up immersed in it, like it's a little bit different. That might be the same thing with Avatar, Last Airbender. Like I said, I like it. It's fine. Um, I have a, a feeling that the world expands a lot more and I, I will like it even more as I keep going. Um, I have heard The Legend of Korra is amazing. So I do want to keep watching Avatar Last Airbender. I'm not going to start watching Legend of Korra until I'm done with Avatar. Um, Just my own personal preference. And I feel like maybe that's the route I should be going anyway. So you guys can let me know if I'm wrong. If if you're just like, no, you can watch Legend of Korra. You don't have to finish Avatar. Yeah. I trust those of you that have already watched it. So... Um, all right, going into IDW, the meat and potatoes of this podcast, really. Uh, we got Transformers Escape, number one of five. So this is uh, a five-part miniseries. It's World War spills into this all-new limited series. As Cybertron descends into a state of war, countless civilians, unaligned with the Autobots, Decepticons, or any faction, are caught in the crossfire. Fortunately, a solution may be coming. Wheeljack, Hound, and some of Cybertron's greatest and most infamous scientists seek to reactivate the ARC program and evacuate the planet with huge spaceships. On the verge of war, will their efforts be enough to escape? Uh, you had me at Hound, <laughs> for one. Uh, those of you who don't know, Hound was one of my first Transformers. Uh, the I got two Transformers for Christmas the one year, Hound and Skywarp. I don't know which one I opened first. I don't know which one was technically the first Transformer I got, but I got them both the same Christmas, opened them up. It was awesome. Uh, so I do have uh, an affinity for both those characters. Um, I have not been, as I've mentioned in past episodes, I have not been thrilled with Transformers, uh, the ongoing series. I loved Galaxies. I'm not caught up on Galaxies. I'm like just a few issues behind on it. I believe that one has ended and probably replaced with this Escape miniseries. I would have loved it if they had continued with Galaxies. I thought it was really, really cool to see these individual stories of like one or two character folk that they focused on and everything else. Um, I'm interested in this story. Uh, I want to see what is going on with it. However, I need to get caught up on Transformers. I am going to be working on that um, because I've started really focusing on Star Joe's uh, related titles recently. So I'm actually getting caught up on a lot of my Star Wars stuff first. Uh, I am caught up on my G.I. Joe stuff other than maybe the IDW Universe G.I. Joe, the, the relaunch that they did, I think I'm two issues behind on that uh, now. I think I was only one issue behind, but I think now I'm two issues behind on that, which is no big deal. I can redo that in one sitting. But as far as, like, A Real American Hero, completely caught up on that. Um, so now I can focus on Star Wars, get completely caught up on that. That's a lot. That's a bigger chunk to read. 
And when we get into talking about Star Wars, I'll talk about which stuff I've been reading recently. Um, and then I can get into Transformers will probably be the next thing I tackle along with Turtles. So like those are the two other big ones that I'm not completely caught up with that I do want to get caught up on. So um, then we have Transformers 84 Secrets and Lies. Uh, so this is a uh, trade paperback that collects uh, the four-issue Transformers 84 Secrets and Lies miniseries, which that I did read the first issue of. Really loved it, and I just haven't finished reading it yet. Why, I don't know. Plus, there was a number zero one-shot issue that came out. So um, Then we have Transformers number 26, Transformers Back to the Future number three of four. Uh, I believe I mentioned that last episode. Then we have Marvel Action Origins number one of five. This just recently came out. It's written by Chris Iliopoulos. Uh, this has the origin of Spider-Man and an origin story of Thanos. Um, I have heard from my people at my comic shop that, you know, yes, this is the origins that we've all known. However, it's told in a little different way. Um, you know, just, uh, just like any origin story is done, you know, they, they tell it their own way. Um, but the, they, the stories are actually a little emotional. They're, they tug at your heartstrings on, on, in this title. Um, it's probably a great title for like, since it's all ages, uh, to give to someone who's younger, who might not be familiar with the characters. I'm very interested in reading it just to kind of see a different take. I always I know people get tired of always hearing the Batman origin, hearing the Spider-Man origin, stuff like that. I don't really get too tired of them if they're done well. Like, yes, they get old when it's just like, okay, we've seen it from this perspective or seen it from um, this exact same telling, like where you can tell they're trying to fill in three or four pages uh, of because they didn't have more story to tell, so they just put the origin in there because it kind of ties into what their story's about. That stuff I'm not a big fan of, but I do like it when it's like, okay, the story of this, the focus of this story is the person's origin. I like to kind of see what, okay, what did they do with it? So I don't really get too tired of that. Um, maybe if I kept reading it over and over again, then yes, but I, I just feel like I, there seems to always be enough time between me reading a character's origin before I'm reading it again. So to where I can still enjoy it. Even though I know what's coming, even though I understand all that, um, just, it, I just seem to always enjoy it. Uh, then from IDW, we have Star Wars, The Phantom Menace graphic novel adaptation. Um, I don't know if this has come out yet or if this has been delayed. Uh, then we have Star Wars Adventure Smugglers Run, one of two. Um, so this is a 48-page story. Um, so this is in the Star Wars Adventures uh, world. It's focused on Han and Chewie, which is really cool. Um, and it's written by Greg Rucka, which is amazing. So, you know, you got some good pedigree that's working on this stuff. Then we have Star Wars Adventures number four, which is focused on the Wookiees on Kashyyyk, which is awesome. Uh, it says, join the Wookiees of Kashyyyk for part, part one of a special Life Day celebration. So, hey, Life Day, it's in canon now. Uh, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Jenica 2, number 2 of 6. Uh, I have not read the first miniseries, but I definitely want to get caught up on that. Then we also have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 112. And then uh, this title is actually coming out next week, I believe. 
uh, from me recording this, which is G- it was delayed briefly. It's G.I. Joe Real American Hero number 278. I am caught up to 277. Um, this is the Untold Tales that focuses on um, Snow Job, Blizzard, Iceberg, uh, Cover Girl, Frostbite, and Low Light. Uh, they all go out on a mission. And I love the alternate cover, too, that is like an, an homage to... Um, if I'm remembering right, it's like an homage to the New Mutants thing with Cable a little bit because it's got the three targets. I think that's what it's it's playing off of. Memory serves me right as far as what that cover looks like. But you have Low Light there who's targeting Baroness, uh, Cobra Commander, and Destro. Um, I like the, the artist on this is Dan Schernig, who I have mentioned many times on the show for his Ghostbusters artwork. I love his artwork, so I'm really looking forward to this. Uh should be a really good story. So then we have Vampirella, the dark powers. Number one, once again, we're launching a new Vampirella title <laughs> to get that title going. Um, it seems like they're always coming around with uh, new number ones of her as well as new number ones of the next one I was about to mention, which is red Sonya, the price of blood number one. Uh, so with this, we've got, you know, Red Sonya, female barbarian type thing. Um, you know, I've, it's been a character I've always, I've read just a few issues of her stuff. I've always liked it. Always thought it was fine. Never anything I felt like, oh, I need to keep reading. Um, but I've mentioned before, Dynamite seems to really want to do relaunches with her and Vampirella to, I guess, to keep those numbers up. Then we have Jim Henson's Labyrinth Masquerade number one. Um, I don't believe this is a one-shot. It's all-new story. Um, yeah, I don't see anything that says it's just a one-shot, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it does say, okay, so discover an all-new one-shot story. So this takes place in the world of Labyrinth. It seems like it takes place during the, the ballroom dance thing, or at least ties into that aspect of Labyrinth. So, um, so I think that's kind of cool. I've been, I've watched just recently, like a couple behind the scenes, like one was a behind the scenes video. One was a, um, like almost a documentary, like perspective on everything in labyrinth from like a more philosophical approach. And so it was, it was very interesting. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a world that I think can be explored quite a bit. So then we have Jim Henson's dark crystal age of resistance, the journey into the Mondo Leviathan, uh, this is the hardcover, uh, collecting the issues, uh, nine through 12, which finishes off that storyline, I believe. So, uh, then we have, uh, I thought this was interesting. The Sumerian, the frost giant's daughter, number one, uh, I believe this also just recently came out. Uh, but I find it, uh, interesting. I don't know if it's Sumerian or Chimerian, uh, but is basically Conan. If I remember right, that's who Conan is. So it's kind of interesting how they're doing this title, but it's like, I don't know if, cause I know Marvel doesn't own the rights to Conan completely. Like they have the rights to do the Conan comics, but uh, someone else owns Conan, which is why you can't get it on Marvel unlimited or anything like that. Um, but uh, I wonder if whoever owns it completely is able to like say, okay, this company, a blaze, uh, comics who I'd never heard of before 
uh, is also able to do Conan comics. They just can't call him Conan on the cover. So they're calling him the Sumerian. Um, it looks like this is more mature level from the solicits and everything else. Probably something that Marvel isn't doing. So just another aspect there. Uh, then we have the second coming, Only Begotten Son, number one. So uh, this one seems to folk. This is that storyline that focused on um, Jesus being sent, sent down to Earth uh, for a second time and to learn from a character that's basically like Superman. This one seems to focus a bit more on the Superman character, uh, which would be interesting. I really liked the first one. It's, it's very, a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff happening and everything else. I know a lot of people got up in arms. I think DC was supposed to do the comic, and then they backed out because they were getting a lot of heat from like church groups and everything else. It's like, come on. it's You can't bash something and hold it as sacred before you even read what the other thing is. Like, if that was the case, you would never have gotten a, uh, a movie called Life of Brian. Like, Life of Brian's hilarious, but it obviously plays on the, the Jesus stuff and Christianity and all that type of stuff. Um, I'm so glad that another company, said, uh, which was Ahoy Comics, came out and said, you know, we'll take the heat. You know, it just draws more attention to the comics, so. Um, and what I read was not, um, it wasn't disrespectful. It was, there was just humor done. Like it just, if someone actually read it and felt it was blasphemous, then like I mentioned before, I feel like there's more issues with that person than there is with the comic. (laughs) So, um, jumping ahead, a bunch of. Star Wars books. So we have Star Wars, the Clone Wars, stories of light and dark. So there's a whole bunch of stories that take place during the Clone Wars, focusing on various characters in it. Um, reminds me a bit of the short story stuff from uh, a certain point of view, which was the book that they did for based on a new hope. And they just recently did one for Empire Strikes Back. This one seems kind of like that, except it'll be focused on the Clone Wars animated series from what I, from what it looks like. Then we have Poe Dameron Freefall, which is a hardcover uh, book. Looks like it's a bit more of a young adult reader book, uh, just from the way they did the cover. I can't really tell, um, but it seems like it's some early adventures of Poe Dameron. Then jumping ahead, we also have the Star Wars Archive, episodes 4 through 6. This is the 40th anniversary edition. This one's only $25, so... um, I know they've done these archives before where it's like 200 and some dollars and um, for the full collection. This is just $25, so obviously much less content in it, but still very cool if you don't have uh, much in the way of like reference material for Star Wars. Um, then we have Blade, from Titan Comics, we have Blade Runner 2029, number one. Uh, it's an ongoing, it's a new ongoing Uh, I find it very interesting. I really did like, I like Blade Runner, the original movie. I really liked the sequel that they did. Um, I actually liked the sequel a bit more than the original movie. Might be blasphemous to say that, but I I did. Both are very slow going. They're they're slow burn type movies. Um, They're not meant to be like high action sci-fi or anything like that. So just keep that in mind. Um, I would venture to guess that this this comic will be very similar, that it will focus more on character progression, although it does seem like there's some 
the pages that they're showing, there's they're not showing a lot of pages. They're showing like one or two. It seems like there's a little bit more action in them, but um, but not sure. Uh, then we have uh, from Uden Entertainment, we have Robotech Visual Archive, the Southern Cross, and we have Robotech Visual Archive uh, Genesis Climber uh, Mospeda. Uh, Eric uh, Grubb, who's been on the show a lot of times, I'm, again, probably way mispronouncing that. Um, but uh, these are the archives like they did before, the way they did them across Saga. So you get to see, like, um, early drawings. You get to see uh, all the different ins and outs of the different uh, mech stuff and everything else that they, they did uh, for this world. Uh, they're really, really cool reference books. Like, I, I have the Across Saga one, and it is awesome. So, looking forward to these other two. Uh, then we have Super Mario Manga Mania, which is pretty awesome. It's basically, it's uh, it's from Viz Media. It is exactly what it sounds like. It is Super Mario comics done in manga style. Uh, didn't know that these existed. Um it's a greatest hits collection of the long-running Super Mario manga series in Japan. So I love the fact that we're getting these coming over to the U.S. I have never been a big manga person, although this past Christmas, uh, you that could not have been proven because I got a lot of manga stuff for Christmas this year. I got the Transformers mangas, Volume 2 and 3. I had Volume 1 already. I got a, a Star Wars manga of princess leia i got a star wars manga of rebels like it was basically every comic almost every comic that i got for christmas or anything comic related was manga uh but it was all stuff of things that i like like this mario thing would be something that i would like so i definitely would read it um maybe it will lead into me getting into some other manga stuff uh Probably not. Maybe I don't. I don't know. But uh, but as long as I keep doing ones of properties that I like, uh, I'll keep checking those out. So uh, then I did mark some toys in here in this volume, uh, which is they came out with the Groblins, so the um, McFarland toys. They've been doing a fantastic job on these. Uh, a lot of people are loving them. They're very excited. I have been very selective about the ones that I get. I've only gotten um, the metal characters, the various Batman characters. Um, I haven't gotten... So I've got all the ones that came out during metal, um, other than the Drowned, which I hope to resolve that soon. Um, and then I did get the Groblins, who go with the Batman Who Laughs. I have him. I have the Batgirl one because I really like the design of her costume that they did for that. Um, and then I got the animated series versions of Batman, Superman, and Green Lantern. Um, so like the unlimited versions, the you know Batman animated series, the, the Justice League unlimited versions. So I, I did get those to kind of go with the setups that I have, um, but. In here, the only one that I was interested in was the Groblin characters, which is from uh, the Metal series, but also from Dark Knight uh, Death Metal that I talked about before. So they did do three different faces for the Groblins, uh, and you have to find them. They don't give you three different heads. I wish they had just done it as like three different heads so you could pick which one you want on each one. You didn't have to try to hunt them down for the different looks, but 
Um, I do have all three versions of the Goblins. Uh, and like I said, they're very creepy. They're very cool. They totally work for that world. Uh, the Build-A-Figure for this also was uh, Merciless, which was one of the uh, metal characters. Um, they also have like a resolicit here for some of the characters like um, uh, the, the Doomsday type character, which I'm, their names are escaping me right now as far as what they what they were. But they also had like the Grim Knight is being solicited here, even though they shade him out and everything. So uh, then jumping ahead, uh, we have uh, Star Wars: The Mandalorian, the child's shoulder accessory. I thought that was hilarious. So you can get like a the child sitting on your shoulder there. Um, and then this one made me laugh. Little dumpster fire nightlight figure. So you get a little nightlight thing that looks like a dumpster fire. It's like this little cute little dumpster with flames coming up the side of it. So not real flames, just animated ones. Um, and then Disney Ultimate Waves, uh, wave number one figures. Uh, they recently solicited these maybe a few months back. It may have been before the pandemic, or it was uh, it may have been during the pandemic. Um, but anyways, they did Pinocchio, uh, Fantasia, Mickey, and uh, King John, or Prince John from uh, Robin Hood, which was that was a very interesting choice to me. Like Pinocchio, I understood, and Fantasia, Mickey, I totally understood. Like Sorcerer Mickey, um, Prince John, I think it's awesome. I think he looks amazing. I just was very surprised that they did him. Um, Pinocchio and like all these guys, they come with like tons of accessories. So you have like with Prince John, you have, I believe his name's Hiss, uh, which is the snake. Uh, you have, uh, with Mickey, you get the brooms, uh, that are walking around carrying pails. Uh, with Pinocchio, you get Figaro and, um, the fish. I'm trying to remember. And I think you get Jiminy Cricket also. So like that was very cool. Cause like Jimmy Cricket's one of my favorite Disney characters. Um, yeah, like, I don't know if he's my absolute favorite, but he's definitely in the top three. He might be my favorite. I like the idea of, like, this cricket being your conscience. Um, so, yeah, I'd have to think about Disney characters in general. Like, is he my favorite of all of them? Um, but he's definitely up there. Like, like I say, he's in my top three for sure. If he's not, if he's not my number one, I have to, like I said, give that a lot of thought. Because uh, there's a lot of Disney characters to think of. But uh, he plays it for sure in my top three. So seeing him coming with Pinocchio, that was awesome. Um, then we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Elite Series figures. They recently came out. These these are like based off of the original comic book versions. But they made them uh, colorized. And they all have red bandanas. I saw these just recently. Um, they look very, very cool. So... Uh, I, I'm glad that they keep like releasing stuff like that. Uh, then they did come out with uh, mini epics, uh, Ghostbusters, and they came out with the full line. Now, originally when I first saw these, you, they had Venkman and Egon. Uh, they didn't have Winston or Ray. Um, and they did have Slimer, but then also looks like they came out with one of the demon dogs, uh, the terror dogs. And uh, so now you, you have the full set of them. They're very cartoony looking. Venkman looks like uh, Phil Collins' puppet from uh, Land of Confusion video. If you've ever seen the Land of Confusion video, if you haven't, go to YouTube, look up Land of Confusion Phil Collins. It's a bunch of like 
Muppety looking puppet type things, except they're a little creepy looking. Um, and uh, it was a very 80s video, but uh, it that's and then look up mini epic Ghostbusters and tell me Venkman doesn't look like Phil Collins from that video. <laughs> I think these are very cool. I did not get them, uh, I certainly wouldn't mind having them in my collection, but uh, I did not get them. But uh, I also don't know how much more room I have for Ghostbusters stuff right now. Uh, I posted a video of some of my setup for Patreon members in the, in the past, and it shows like a lot of the Ghostbusters stuff was already set up. There's not a lot of room left there. <laughs> um, I have a lot of awesome stuff, and I love the stuff that I have. Um, but yeah, it doesn't leave much room for, for anything else. So, um, But like I said, I would find room for those things if I ever could get my hands on those. Uh, I do have the Lord of the Rings ones that are those mini, mini epics, and they look awesome. Like I really like those. I'm missing two of them. Uh, when I ordered them, I was supposed to get all of them, and two of them just never showed up. Um, I don't know if they eventually will, like if it'll get restocked or whatever, but Gimli and Frodo were the two that I, I believe it's Frodo. Yeah, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Frodo, so, cause I have Bilbo. Um, I was wondering if it was Frodo or Bilbo, but I have, so I, it's Gimli and Frodo are the two mini epics that I'm missing, but I've got like Legolas and, uh, Aragorn and Gandalf and, and, um, Pippin and, uh, and, um, Samwise Ganji and Bilbo and, um, and there's Pippin, is it Merryweather? Pippin and Mary. Uh, so I have both of them. Um, so like I have the whole group of them. Um, I didn't get Boromir. I think he was out there and available also, but I just kind of stuck with the, the main, the main characters that I really know. Um, I love having all the hobbits and everything else. So They've done other stuff too, like there, there's Gollum. I didn't really like how Gollum looked. Um, he looked a little too cartoony. Um, and I liked the idea of just having the heroes there, and Gollum wasn't really a hero when it came to that. Um, wasn't completely a villain, but he wasn't completely, he definitely wasn't a hero. Um, so, but I really like the looks of them there. They've got, again, that not quite real looking, but not quite too cartoony looking. Like it's just, they remind me a bit of the Rankin Bass look of that Hobbit world. Um, so I think that's why I liked them is because they had a bit of that feel to it. Um, and I've wanted something that was Lord of the Rings because I love those movies. I love the books. Uh, it's been years since I've read the books. I have nice hardcover volumes of them now. Um, I should sit down and read them again, but I've read them decades ago. Um, and loved the stories and loved what they did with the movies. Um, so I was like, I want something in my collection. Like I was mentioning a long time ago with my collection, I want to have something that at least one thing that represents everything that I enjoy. So like, I want there to be something with Indiana Jones in it. I want there to be something with Legend of Zelda in it. Like, I want someone to be able to walk into my guest room, my geek room, where I record the podcast typically, and be able to see every, at least one representation of everything that I love. 
Um, and I'm, I'm working towards that. So it was cool to have like these things. Now, I don't know if it all fit in that geek room. I'm for sure branching out into the base, basement area where I'm setting up like a library area. So there might be some stuff that goes down there too. Um, but I just want someone to be able to come to my house and go to those areas and be like, okay, I know all the stuff Ryan likes. Like these are that. Okay. I get it now. Like, like even various things like, okay, he likes action figures. He likes original comic art. Um, you know, like I want, like he likes Lego. You know, I want even the medium to kind of show like, okay, he likes comic books. He likes, you know, action figures. He likes statues. He like so I want that type of stuff to be represented as well as the actual properties and stuff like that. So, um, let's see here. Going into now, I'm going into the previews catalog for November. Uh, so I just covered the one that was October for things that were coming out in December. Then this is November for things that are coming out in January. So this is just the stuff that came out just this past month, um, the month that we just left. So the next time that I do previews, uh, it will be, um, hopefully, knock on wood, it will be this month, and it will be stuff that is actually coming out in the future. Um, some of it will be stuff that comes out in February, because I'll have that catalog also, but then there'll be stuff that comes out after that. Uh, from Image, we have Haha ha number one, which I believe is a horror story and it's if it's not it's a horror story anyways because it looks like it involves clowns and and you know what chuck and i both say we say fuck clowns i don't like clowns may i may have liked clowns when i was a kid i don't like clowns anymore they're creepy as shit no don't don't get me anything with clowns there will not be representative of anything clowns in my guest room or geek room or anything like that um i like clowns in the sense of if i'm watching something creepy so, like, I love the It movies. I love um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, stuff like that. I don't need that shit in my house. I don't I don't like clowns at the circus. I don't like clowns at a state fair. Um, like, and I don't want a figure of a clown in my collection. That's the shit that comes alive and kills you in your sleep. I, <laughs> so, um, yeah, don't want it. Uh, then we have uh, Chew, Volume 1, the first course. So this is, there was a whole series called Chew in the past. And then they did, now they've done, started a new series called Chew. But it's, uh, so the last one was C-H-E-W, as in chewing, like chewing gum and stuff like that. This is C-H-U. Uh, and I believe it's the name of the character. Her name's Tony Chew. Um, and she's a psychopath, which, uh, not a psychopath, a psychopath, C. I-B-O-P-A-T-H, which means that she can, um, well, it looks like maybe her name is Saffron Chu. Okay, so Tony Chu was the past Chu character. This is Saffron Chu. Um, but they basically, they can chew something on something and tell you the, the, the source of it and everything else. What the previous Chu would do is it would actually chew on like a corpse and be able to tell you how they died and who killed them and stuff like that. From my understanding, I've never read any of it. I, I, I think it sounds interesting. I've heard it's really good. Um, just haven't had a chance to read any of it. But first volume of it, of the new version, is out, and I thought that was interesting. 
Um, also very interesting, Avatar The Next Shadow. This is from Dark Horse. Uh, it's a miniseries, one of four. Uh, it's in the Avatar world. So this isn't Avatar The Next Airbender like I was talking about earlier. This is Avatar as far as the James Cameron movie. Um, it's an untold story set immediately after the events of the movie. I know they're supposed to do more movies and everything else. I do like the world of Avatar. Like, I like what world they created. <clears throat> the story itself was blah. Like, it was very basic. Um, like, they they got me in the theaters because of the spectacle of it being the, the amazing 3D effects that they did for it and everything else. But as far as just the story goes, I have not watched that movie since I saw it in the theaters. Like, I thought it was, I thought it was amazing in the theaters. And then, like, it kind of sets in, like, okay, the effects were really cool. Special effects, like, the special effects they did were cool. The 3D effect was really cool. But the story was just kind of, eh. The story was just kind of there. Um, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't anything, like, for as amazing as the effects were, the story, I guess, in my eyes, could have been a lot better than it was, so... Um, but I do like the world that they created. Like, I thought that was really cool. So I don't know if it would be something worth exploring more in comics. I don't really care for the art that I'm seeing here. Like, it doesn't wow me all that much. So, um, but that's, again, personal preference. So, uh, then we have Mike Mignola, the quarantine sketchbook. So I guess he was sketching a lot of different things, uh, during quarantine and decided to release them, release them all in a hardcover book. So if you like Mike Mignola artwork, which I do, I think it looks awesome. Um, definitely something worth getting there. Um, then we have Norse Mythology Volume 1 hardcover. Uh, and this is, uh, collects issues 1 through 6, which is interesting. It's a way early solicitation because right next to it is Norse Mythology number 4. So I don't know how you collect it all in a hardcover 1 through 6 when you're only also soliciting number, issue number 4. Um, yeah, weird. But <laughs> anyways, uh, it's by Neil Gaiman. Uh, I like Norse mythology. I, and especially with Neil Gaiman, I'd be interested in reading it. However, I know he's also, I believe he's the one that's done American Gods and I tried to read Amer American Gods and I couldn't get into it. I tried watching the show. It just wasn't for me, but there's been a lot of Neil Gaiman stuff that I thought was amazing too. So Speaking of amazing, we have John Romita's The Amazing Spider-Man Artisan Edition. This is pretty awesome. This is actually a trade paperback version of it, which I find very interesting that they did. Um, and so it's like 40 bucks, and you get to see, like, I, I guess it's like a trade paperback size. Yeah, it's only 8.5 by 12. So if you want to see that artwork, but you don't, you can't pay the $130 you know, 125 $130, $150 that these artist editions and artisan editions typically are, um, which is crazy, um, then this makes it way affordable. Now it is going to be smaller and everything, obviously, but you still get to see that original artwork and what it looked like. And I think that's actually a really cool idea. I, I feel like maybe they're testing the waters to see, like, hey, would people buy this? Um, and like I said, I think that's a cool idea. Uh, then we have Transformers, number 27, Transformers Back to the Future, number 404, so that's the finale of that, that crossover. Transformers Escape, number 205, we just talked about. Uh, then we have G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, yearbook number one. 
I got very excited about this until I realized it was just a bunch of reprints with a new cover. So it's just reprinting the original yearbook number one and then giving you a new cover by Netho Diaz, which I like Netho Diaz's artwork. There's something about this cover, though, that throws me off a little bit. I think it's the way Duke is drawn and Gung Ho is drawn on it. Like, they just... It, it looks weird a little bit to me. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I had wished that this was a, a new yearbook issue, but it's not. Um, then we have Geo Geo Real American Hero, number 279. I love the cover of this one. You got uh, conquests that are flying out from the Terradrome. Looks really cool. It's Untold Tales. Uh, this focuses on Ace, Slipstream, and other uh, Brave Joe Air Warriors. So um, I think that's awesome. I like to focus on the pilots and everything. So Then we have G.I. Joe World on Fire. This is collects the new relaunch that was by Paul Aller. Um, it says it completes the collects the complete G.I. Joe series, which sadly made me feel like they're not continuing the story. And I know I was not a fan of the first issue and the second issue was just kind of ho-hum for me. But man, once it got going and it really started focusing on the characters, because the first couple issues didn't really focus on like character a whole lot. And I get that they're just like kind of introducing you to the world, but it, it did turn off a lot of Joe fans. Like it, it was just like, eh, this isn't really what I was kind of hoping for. Um, but then, like I said, once they got into, you know, they did the major blood story, and then you get the dreadnought story, and then you get um, Scarlet dealing with being home uh, after military duty and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of heart and a lot of real character moments in this that I really gravitated towards and really latched on and went, okay, now I'm in, in for the ride on this. Um, so... I'm hoping that they're going to come back with more now, which is, like I said, so weird because I know before I was like, yeah, this doesn't really excite me, but now it does. Like, it's something, it just took a few issues to really grab me. Um, and uh, unfortunately, sometimes it, you can't can't have it be a few issues before it grabs people because some people aren't going to stick around for that. Um and sadly, that seems like that might be the case. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, it does come back, though. Uh, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Jenica 2, number 3 of, of 6. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Best of Leonardo. So this is a five ninety nine uh, comic that collects like some best stories involving Leonardo. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. It's 100 pages for 6 bucks, so that's not a bad deal at all. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 113. Um, looks like we have some funky character in here. I don't know. Uh, the main character doesn't look like any turtle I recognize. So this is Karai searches for two new powerful mutants who could tip the balance of power in New York City. Meanwhile, a familiar character from the future arrives with a most unusual request. All of this and the return of Bebop and Rocksteady. Don't miss the start of an exciting new story arc as Sophie Campbell returns to interior art. Cool. Sounds good to me. Uh, then we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Urban Legends, Volume 2. This collects numbers 14 through 26 of the uh, of the series, so it collects the rest of that series. Uh, then we have Marvel Action Captain Marvel, number one. This uh, ha 
cover looks like it has Captain Marvel along with uh, Ghost Spider, Spider Gwen, however you want to call her. Um, so I have a feeling that Captain Marvel, I've mentioned this before, like I have a feeling Captain Marvel isn't doing as well as they want Captain Marvel to do, so they're bringing in characters that are doing well. So like people that like Spider Gwen, Ghost Spider, they're like, oh, we'll put that on the first issue. Like Captain Marvel should sell on its own without needing a guest star in your first issue. I know they did that in the past, like Spider-Man would appear in the first issue, something to help it get kicked off. And so this is kind of similar to that, but it's just like, if you look at the cover, it's Captain Marvel number one and Ghost Spider is front and center and Captain Marvel is almost an afterthought behind her. Like it's very, very interesting that they did the cover the way they did it. So, and hey, I like Captain Marvel. I don't have an issue with her. I just don't like the fact that Marvel seems to want to keep pushing her in people's faces saying, hey, this character is really important to the Marvel Universe. She's one of the most powerful characters. Great. Show it. Put, just put her in some stories. Put her in some good stories. And then I'll like her. Like, I like her when she shows up in Avengers and stuff like that. I am actually reading some of the, the Captain Marvel uh, digitally. Uh, the, of the current Captain Marvel series. I'm actually reading some of it now digitally on Marvel Unlimited, and I'm enjoying it. I've read the first three or four issues. I like it so far. Just tell me good Captain Marvel stories. <laughs> you don't need to bring in Ghost Spider. You can bring in Ghost Spider at a later time. Um, then we have My Little Pony, Transformers, uh, Friendship in Disguise, trade paperback, so this collects the miniseries. I've only read the first issue. I did the video review of that which actually had quite a few viewers, probably the My Little Pony people fandom that's out there, uh, really gravitated towards, which is awesome. The story was actually really good. The first issue that I read was actually really good. Um, they are about to do a number two uh, of mini, uh, this crossover miniseries. So the first one, they must have sold well enough that number two is coming out. So be staying tuned for that when I talk about that. Um, Star Wars Adventures number five. It looks like it focuses on Grand Moff Tarkin. And then we have that Smuggler's Run number two of two uh, going on there. Then we have, oh, look at this, a Red Sonya the Superpowers. So just, I think that was what the Vampirella one was. Uh, now we got Red Sonya and Shocker of all shocks. There's a new number one for Red Sonya. Um, they do have a cosplay cover that, holy crap, I'm surprised they're allowed to even put that on on there. Like, the cosplayer barely has anything covering her top. Uh, and I get that Red Sonya has, like, as a comic book character, she is drawn with a lot revealing, but it's another thing to see it the way that you're showing it on this cosplayer. <laughs> so, just mentioning it. Uh, then we have, uh, from Boom Studios, we have Last Witch. Uh, it's for fans of the series Wind. Um, and uh, it's it just looked interesting. I like the artwork on it. It has a very cartoony look to it. Looks like something that could become an animated series. Um, seems like it would be a good all-ages comic. So. Uh, then we have Power Rangers, uh, Draken New Dawn, uh, soft cover. So this collects the Ranger Slayer story that I really liked. Uh, then we have the New Dawn miniseries, which I have those issues. I just haven't read them yet. 
And we have Mega Man fully charged, number six of six. So that wraps up. I don't know how that did. I guess we'll find out if they do more of them. But uh, I, again, only read the first issue. I did do a review of it, but haven't put it out there yet. Hopefully by the time you guys hear this episode, the video review of that will already be out. So go check out the YouTube channel to see if it's there. Um, then we have, uh, in Delray, we have Star Wars, The High Republic, Light of the Jedi hardcover. So this is the first novel, first book that has come out uh, for The High Republic. I'm going to talk about the comic a little bit later. I have not read the book on this yet. I've heard it is an excellent book, and I've heard it's uh, hard to put down once you start reading it. Like, I've heard this from several people that they thought that it was an excellent read, and they're looking forward to the next volume because it's a continuation type thing. Um, so I am very excited to read it, uh, once I'm able to get my hands on it. So looking forward to that. Uh, like I said, I'll talk about the comic itself a little bit later, uh, tied into the high Republic. We have star Wars high Republic test of courage, hardcover. Um, this is another novel. I don't know if this is more, again, cover makes it look like it might be more for a young adult. Not sure. Again, not one that I have right now, but definitely one that I want to get to read. Uh, then we have Star Wars Galactic Storybook hardcover. This is by Katie Cook. I believe this just recently came out. I could be wrong. It might be coming out very soon if it hasn't come out already. Um, I feel like this just came out, though. Um, but if you like Star Wars and you like Katie Cook's art, this is something definitely to get. It's uh, I'm a huge fan of Katie Cook's artwork, so um, it was definitely something on my radar. Um, there's also a book called Star Wars I Love You I Know hardcover. It's like Say I Love You to the Star Wars fan in your life with the collection of lessons in love and friendship from a galaxy far, far away. It's like everything I ever needed to know about life I learned from Star Wars is like everything I needed to know about love I learned from Star Wars. I don't know if you get your best love advice from Star Wars. <laughs> we have some pretty messed up things that happen in Star Wars when it comes to love. Um, then we have, uh, from Humanoids, Space Bastards. I had to mention, mention this just because it's a title called Space Bastards. Like, I have a hard time not reading something that has a title like that. Because I do have this first issue. I have not read it yet, but I have the first issue, and I, I'm eager to check it out, um, see what it's all about. I'll, I'll report back to you guys on, on it once I've had a chance to read it, but... Like, I remember picking up Southern Bastards just because I, I saw the name of it. And I was like, well, I got to read this. I got to see what it is. And it was one of the, my favorite books ever. Um, uh, like, comic series. It's, Southern Bastards is amazing. Uh, and then I remember re picking up Planet Bitch or something like that. And that was ridiculous. Like, so over the top. Of course, I should have expected that. Um so yeah, I'm interested in seeing what Space Bastards is. Uh, like I said, hopefully, maybe I'll read that uh, before the next time I do a recording and let you guys know. Uh, then we have Star Wars Insider is celebrating the 200th issue of Star Wars Insider, which I think is pretty awesome. So, um, so they're having like some special issues and everything else when it comes to that. Uh, then we have Blood, the Bloodshot 50 Project trade paperback. Um, so this is for the Hero Initiative. Uh, I have always loved when they do these. I don't think I'll be looking to get the Bloodshot one, but I have a lot of the other ones that they've done. Uh, usually it's uh, the 100 Project, so they must have only been able to get about 50 for this one. 
but it was um, you get a lot of they get a lot of artists. So what the project is is they give blank sketch covers for a particular character, in this case Bloodshot, um, and they give blank sketch covers to a bunch of artists and say, hey, can you just draw anything with this character or his world or their world or whatever? And then um, they collect them all together in this book, and then they sell it, and the money from it, the proceeds from it, go to the Hero Initiative, which helps out a lot of creators, comic creators, that have fallen on hard times. So I think that's pretty awesome. Um, I have, there's a Batman one that they did recently. I have that. So this is a trade paperback. They have done hardcover editions of them. Um, I don't know if they'll do a hardcover one of this one or not. Um, they're only soliciting a soft cover here right now. I don't know if they did a hardcover solicitation before. I didn't notice it. If they did. Um, but like I got the Batman one. I have, uh, I have a Wonder Woman one in in trade version. I'd love to get it in hardcover version again because I love the hardcovers more. There is a Turtles one, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I have the trade version of that because um, at time at the time that's what they had available. I, the, a lot of the ones that I bought, I bought at Baltimore Comic Con because they have a table there where they will sell these and they didn't have the hardcover version of the Turtles one there so I just bought the, the trade version but I'll probably hunt down a hardcover version of it. Um, I got Justice League of America. That one was very cool because you see so many different characters done by so many different artists. Um, I'm trying to think who. Oh, they've done an X Men one. I uh, have that one. They've done a Spider Man one, which I have as well. Um, so, yeah, then there's a bunch of other ones too that I don't have that, you know, I'd love to get. I believe they did an Incredible Hulk one at one point. Um, I mentioned Wonder Woman, which I have the trade version of. I can't remember who else they've done. Um, I don't think they've done Captain America. I don't think they've done Avengers yet. Uh, I'd have to look, but uh, it's not often they've done like completely independent. It's usually Marvel and DC. But like I said, they did do Turtles at one point. I want to that. I don't think they've done Spawn. There's somebody else that they've done that I was surprised that they even did that for that character, but. Uh, Bloodshot's another one I'm kind of surprised. Uh, I didn't know there would be that big of a fandom to do a project like this, but I hope it sells well. They said it's, it's not one for me, but uh, if you like the Bloodshot character and want to see a whole bunch of different artists, I mean, they've got people like Brett Booth, Alan Davis, Steve McNiven, Paolo Rivera. I mean, that, that's some pretty big-name people doing some really cool artwork on there. Um, and let's see... Jumping ahead here, uh, they also have in, uh, from Udon Entertainment, they have Infinity Force. Uh, this was something that came out a while ago that looks like they're resoliciting it. Um, and it's like volumes one, two, three, and four. I think I have volumes one and two. Uh, it has the Gachaman in it. So Battle of the Planets characters are, are in it. It's not just them. There's a whole story that as to why they show up and everything else. So I want to get the rest of them. I just haven't done so yet. Um, but again, manga. <laughs> so, uh, and then we also have uh, how to draw Star Wars. So it's like weird little drawings. Like they show like these drawings that they show you how to draw, but they're they're weird, weird ass drawings. Like the Jawa one looks kind of cool because 
you can draw Jawa weird, but it's like I wouldn't want to know how to draw Star Wars this way. Let's put it that way. Not it's not the direction I would go with wanting to learn how to draw a Star Wars character. I do have a how to draw Star Wars characters from my childhood. Um, I get when I was a kid, I loved drawing. I still love drawing. I just don't put the time into it like I used to. Um, that was also something where I would spend three, four hours in one sitting just drawing. Um, I did a lot more of it this year than I ever have. Um, I was actually drawing cards for people for their birthdays and stuff like that. So I drew one for my mom, for, I think, for my mom for her, I think it was for her birthday. It may have been for Mother's Day. I can't remember. Um, and then one for my dad for for his birthday. I drew one for my sister for her birthday. And I drew one for my friend um, for her birthday. And... Uh, my friend from work who I always go have lunch with who I've mentioned in the past. So uh, I drew one for her because she likes birds. I drew a golf scene for my dad because he was playing a lot of golf back then. Um, and then I drew uh, for my sister, I drew like her three chihuahuas uh, and that was fun to do. And then for my mom, I drew, she, my mom loves teddy bears. So I drew a teddy bear with like flowers and stuff like that around it and everything. So that was a lot of fun. But when I was a kid, what got me talking about that, when I was a kid, I loved drawing and I loved getting how to draw books. So like they would have the scholastic book fair thing, whatever it was. I can't remember who, who it was, if it was through scholastic or through something else, but there would almost always be a how to draw book in there, like how to draw plants, how to draw cars, how to draw animals, whatever. I would always get it. It was they were never very expensive. There was like maybe twenty things that you learned how to draw in them, maybe more than that. But it's it, it, they were never like big thick books or anything like that. But the one year they came out with how to draw Star Wars characters, um, and it was obviously only the original trilogy was out at that time, um, and they're very detailed looking drawings like and they're very involved but they walk you through how to draw all of them and i remember like trying to do it and just not doing a good job i wonder if i could do it nowadays like that was when i was a kid and was still learning a lot of how to draw um but yeah it was very very cool um and it's a book i still have like i still have my original copy from when i was a kid it's seen some better days it's still together it's not falling apart or anything like that but it's it's been well loved so um is far cry from how they're showing you how to draw these characters they like said the 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 chawa looks kind of fun cartoony look i i see the chewbacca looks like a fun cartoony look but then like the other ones are like these scrawny ass bodies with giant heads it's just, and then like yeah I just, I just don't like how they look so then we have uh, going into the toys and stuff like that we have uh, Dr. Afra um, one six scale mini bust as well as a Legends in 3D the Mandalorian uh, Beskar armor one half scale bust so that's a big ass thing and it should be it's $200. The Dr. Afra is $99. A bit more affordable. Uh, it's a bit smaller, but it's a bit more affordable. Uh, then we have uh, Star Wars Clone Wars Ahsoka Tano 1 7th scale bus, so it's a bit smaller one. 
Uh, that's for 60, but it's really cool. She's got the two lights, her two lightsabers. Um, they're purplish looking, which is a weird choice. I don't remember her having purple lightsabers, but um, I could be wrong. Um, but it still looks really cool. Like, I really like the way that looks. Um, then we have some, uh, let's see here. We have some vintage, uh, Star Wars vintage collection, Hondo, uh, Onaka Clone Wars action figure and a Darth Vader one. Um, looks like they're just, you know, three and three quarter inch, uh, scale. Uh, the thing I really liked is they have Star Wars, the vintage collection, Tanta 4 playset. So it's a hallway of the Tanta 4, and it looks like you can get multiple ones and, like, connect them, and then you can, and it's for three and three quarter inch scale, uh, but it looks like you can connect them, and so you have, like, multiple hallways and everything else. It looks really cool. Like, if you were doing a display, that that's a cool piece to get. Um, and it's, like, 50 bucks, which I don't, for what it looks like in this photo, I don't think that's actually a bad price nowadays. So then we got some uh, new pop finals. We got a, a new Macho Man Randy Savage coming out. We got a Mr. T, and then you have The Rock. Uh, so you have some fun wrestler ones there. The um, Macho Man Randy Savage one is really, really cool. Like, it's um, in his full glory with sunglasses that have, like, the dazzling going on inside the sunglasses. He's got his, you know, streamers coming off his arms, all, all that stuff. Um, then we have, uh, also have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pop vinyl. These look like they're based off of the movie versions of them. I have seen some of them. I, John posted some pictures of them when he would go to the toy store and everything, uh, or at like Target and stuff like that. In the toy aisle, I think he found the Michelangelo one or something like that. It, it looked fun, but it looks like it's based. It looks like they're based on the first movie, uh, which was a great movie. Um, but yeah, that's what it looks like they're based on. Um. All right. So all we have left is Marvel here. Uh, it is almost midnight, but I'm going to power through. I do have to work tomorrow, uh, so this, I'm going to be a hurting, as as they say in my family, going to be a hurting scoots uh, tomorrow. <laughs> Don't know where that came from, but it's something we've always said. Let's power through through Marvel. So, a couple things. One is, I've done more reading since the last time that we talked. And uh, I read a bit more of The Future State from DC. So I did read Immortal Wonder Woman. Uh, which, the Wonder Woman story itself was a bit... It was good. It wasn't great. It was good. The artwork I really liked in it. Um, I'm interested to see where it goes. The Nubia story that was in it was actually better. That one started off very basic, though. When I first start, when I read the first few pages, I was like, "Oh man, this is going to be just a blah story," because it's just like opened up with a, an action scene, and I'm just like, "Oh, is this all this is going to be?" But then it's like it started delving into other things, like she goes and visits somebody. It's not the typical Wonder Woman setting. Um, and yeah, it's, it's worth the immortal Wonder Woman story or if she was worth reading or getting just to read the Nubia story. Cause that went in a very interesting direction. And like I said, you'll read the first few issues or uh, first few pages of that. And you'll be like, what the hell is Ryan talking about? 
But trust me, it gets better, and it actually does a very good job at the end. So I, I like the backup story more than the main story. I also read Swamp Thing, which was, it's good. If you like if you like Swamp Thing stories and everything else, it kind of fill, fits in with a swamp typical Swamp Thing story. It wasn't anything special. Um, like, it's one you could pass on. It was good. I enjoyed reading it. They definitely had, like, a Loki-type character, so it was, like, who's, like, basically ma- manipulating things and everything else. So um, that felt a little cliched and everything, but uh, but like I said, it was, it was an okay story. I think if you're a Swamp Thing fan, you're going to like it more than someone that's just a casual reader. Um, I read, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but I read the Teen Titans one. That one's a bit weird, too. Um, and then I, I think the next one on my stack to read is Nightwing. So I hadn't, I wasn't sure last time when I talked if I had read Nightwing yet or not. I had not. It was actually next on my, my list there to, on my stack to read. So, um, but I've also been reading a lot of stuff through Marvel Unlimited and I'll talk about if, depending on what I marked in here, I'll, I'll talk about some of the stuff that I read, but, uh, just started reading Daredevil. Uh, with, by Chip Zdarsky, really liking that. I think I'm three issues, four issues into that run, and that is really good. Artwork's great. The storyline's really good. Um, it gets wordy at times because it's Daredevil. Like it's a very character-driven type story. I don't say that as a negative though. Like I don't. I'm not saying it's wordy in a negative way. I'm just saying, like, this isn't one that you sit and read and are done in 15 minutes. Like, it's going to take you 20, 25 minutes, half an hour to read through an issue. Um, at least that's been my experience. Um, because there's there's a lot of dialogue going on. There's a lot to take in. There's a lot of internal stuff going on. So, um, but I really like it. Uh, I've been reading Immortal Hulk, uh, which has been fantastic. I think I'm in issue 13 of that, 13 or 14 of that. Really liking that. Um, I never, I'm not a Hulk person. I'm not a daredevil person. So the fact that I really am liking both of these says something about the titles. So, uh, all right, going to jump into Marvel catalog here and I'll talk about anything else that I've been reading. Um, so we have King of Black, number one of six or one of five. I've heard this is really good. Like the main thing is really good. I'm looking forward to reading on, on the unlimited. That should be hopefully this first issue should be hopefully getting released maybe by next month uh, or the next few weeks, a um, couple weeks or something like that. But yeah, looking forward to reading issue number one. I am caught up on Venom, which I know leads right into this stuff. I'm trying to get caught up on a bunch of other titles that I know are going to have King and Black tie-ins. Um, there's a ton of tie-ins for King and Black. I think it's because it's doing so well that they were just like, screw it, we're just throwing everything into it. Um, but I've heard it's really, really good. Um, I mean, it's Donny Cates again, so, you know, good chance of that. Uh, Black Cat number one. So there's a new Black Cat. Of course, the new number one is a King and Black tie-in. I don't know how I feel about it when they do that. When they do a new ongoing series and the first issue is already part of some crossover. Like, I feel like that actually turns people away. Like, I think people would want to read Black Cat, and then if they're like, oh, wait, I don't, I want to read just Black Cat. I don't want to read Black Cat as part of a crossover, because I'm not reading the crossover. Like, 
I personally, I feel like that happens. I could be completely wrong. Uh, I know that they tend, so I told you I've been listening to that comics by Perch. Um, I know publishers think they do these events that brings more people in buying titles that they normally wouldn't buy. What he has found through the studies is that's not actually the case. If anything, a lot of times, especially lately, maybe, so I'll clarify why they think that, but in recent years, what that actually does is it causes a lot of readers to drop off because they're like, they view that as a good jumping off point for them. They're like, oh, okay, it's going to be part of this tie-in, uh, part of this event. I I don't, I'm not reading that event. I'm not planning on picking up the event. So this is a good time for me to jump off the title because I can just, uh, my arc's going to be done that I'm reading and I don't need to pick up anymore. I mean, that's basically what happens. Like, I've seen a lot of the titles go from like, okay, they're getting 30,000, 40,000 readers, and all of a sudden, boom, the event happens and drops them down to 20,000 readers. Like, um, so the reason why the publishers think that events bring in people is a few things. One is they're always doing a bunch of tie-ins, so all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, we're getting a bunch more money coming in. But it's also because there was a time when tie-ins did bring more people in. So, like, Civil War actually did bring in people reading titles that they normally wouldn't. So, like, maybe if people would be picking up Amazing Spider-Man or Fantastic Four that weren't picking it up before because of Civil War. There's certain titles that have done that. I think Blackest Night did that also, um, based on something he had, based on studies he looked at. Um, but nowadays it doesn't. Nowadays it actually hurts a, a title. So that's why I feel like this new Black Cat, starting off right away with a new number one going right into an event, I think actually hurts it more than helps it. So um, then we have. <laughs> This one cracks me up. The Union, number one of five, is the King of Black tie-in, which cracks me up because if you remember going back some episodes ago, this was supposed to be an Empire tie-in. So that actually tells you how much this story actually ties into any event. Like, it should have just been the Union, number one of five. It didn't have to have a tie-in to any event because it didn't matter. Like, if you can literally take the exact same story, maybe they tweak the story, I don't know. But if you can take basically the same story and put it with this event or that event and it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's not an event tie-in at all. Now, that being said, I think it's a very interesting concept. I love the idea of, like, uh, like it looks like we have Union Jack and we have uh, new leader Britannia. Like, I, I like the idea of this British super team getting together. I'm very interested in reading it. I'm just, it just doesn't need to be part of an event. Um, then we have Modoc Head Games, number one of four. Who the hell, who the hell wants a Modoc comic? Like, I like him as a villain, okay. Like, he's not even that exciting to me as a villain. I'm sure there's some people out there that absolutely love Modoc and it's awesome. I love AIM. Like, I love the organization of AIM. I don't give a shit about Modoc. Modoc is weird. Like it, it's like I I love um, Green Lantern as everyone knows. My favorite character. I don't like the Hector Hammond character. I like the idea of what Hector Hammond can do, but I don't need the giant head with the little body. This is a giant head with 
arms and legs coming off of it. Um, I just, I've never understood the appeal of Modoc. That's just me. Maybe some people really love him, but I certainly don't need a miniseries of Modoc. Um, I didn't need a miniseries of Juggernaut. I have read issues one and two of the miniseries of Juggernaut uh, for through the Marvel Unlimited. I didn't buy it, but I read it through the Marvel Unlimited, and it's good. I like it. It's it's a fun read. I'm glad I didn't pick it up, um, but I do like reading it. I don't think I have any desire to read the Modoc one. Maybe I'll read the first issue just to kind of tell you guys if it was actually any good. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. That one doesn't get me excited at all. Sword, uh, I'm ex- not excited about, but I'm interested in. Um, I like the artist they have on it. They have Al, Al Ewing is writing it. The artist is uh, Valerio Shidi, who does beautiful artwork, in my opinion. Um, I like some of the characters. Like, I love uh, Abigail Brand as a character. I just like her look, I think, she, and I think she's a cool-ass character. Um, we got Young Cable. I, I don't know how I feel about Young Cable. I haven't really read much with him. Uh, looks like we have another hero in a wheelchair, floating wheelchair. Reminds me of, like, the kid Charles Xavier. I don't know. Uh, we have Manifold, who I do like the Manifold character. That's a cool character. Um, this will be one that I'll be reading through Unlimited just to... I'm interested in it, but not enough that I need to be picking it up. And that's actually one thing that I am finding more and more. It's like, I just want to read these stories. And that's why I'm getting way more into digital. Like, you guys have been hearing this progression of me, which is hilarious of like, I'm not in digital. I just like my paper copies. And then it's like, well, I understand digital being out there. And maybe it works for some people. Then it's like, okay, I dip my toe in the water. I've, I've, I've got some digital over the years and started liking it. It's like, now I'm like, going, yeah, I love digital. Like, I still have my comic issues that I get. There's certain titles that I still just like getting the paper copies of. But, man, I love the fact of just reading the digital issues and, and just to read the story. Because then when I'm done, I'm like, I don't need to have that. I'm glad I read it. Like, even the Mortal Hulk and the Daredevil issues that I'm really, really enjoying and, and Venom. Like, I love the Venom stuff. I don't need to own the issues though. I just, I, I loved reading the story and I'm done. Like I did get the absolute carnage, um, uh, omnibus. I'll probably do the King and black one if it's as good as what I'm hearing, but I don't need to get like, so I can pick and choose what I then get in like collected editions. I don't need to get all the different issues. They just, I'm reaching a point where it just takes up so much room uh, it's that much more money and everything else. I just don't need it. So um, there are certain ones that I absolutely want to own and I'm happy to own them. But then there's other ones where it's just like, I just want to read the story. That's really all it is. And Marvel Unlimited's making it so much easier. Uh, the DC uh, Infinite uh, that they just re- recently released, uh, I'm liking it a lot more than how they had it before because there's a lot more titles available. Um it's weird though, cause I'm reading more of the past. I mentioned earlier, I'm reading more of the past stuff on DC and more of the current stuff on Marvel. Uh, I am planning on picking up some DC ones that I can read the current stuff on though. I, although I'm reading Aquaman and Wonder Woman, I'm trying to get caught up on those ones to, to be able to read the current day stuff on those. But, but yeah, I like, and I think, I think I mentioned it earlier, but I think I'm going to get rid of the, 
comicsology one. It's just it's cumbersome. I, I can't find stuff that I really want to read that's part of Unlimited. Um, and I'm reading so much with the Marvel and DC ones that it's just I don't have the time to be reading, looking for something on comicsology Unlimited to read as well. So. Um, with that being said, uh, the, the Chris Claremont anniversary special number one. So this was, uh, this was a Danny Moonstar story. Uh, I have this issue. Um, it was a good issue. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. This, this was something I was excited to read and I'm glad I got it. And, um, I got one of the variant covers for it though, where it's Danny in the woods with the, like the demon bear coming up behind her in the woods. So, uh, then we have web of Spider-Man number one of five. This was solicited a while ago. Uh, again, one that I will probably read digitally, but don't have any interest in actually owning it. Um, but it's just, uh, it's Peter Parker being part of like a technology type thing. So, um, and it's tied more into the Marvel universe stuff anyway. So another reason not to really have to own it or anything like that. Then we have Black Widow number four. Uh, I did read issues one and two. Uh, I really liked that. Uh, it it went in a direction I wasn't expecting, um, so uh, which is a very good thing. Um, so yeah, really liked that. Thor number ten. Uh, I am uh, reading this. I am loving this on uh, Unlimited. Also, I think they are up to issue. Eight, I want to say, and I've read whatever they have available for me on that so far. So anytime a new issue comes out of it, I'm reading it. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome. So, uh, then we have Ghost Rider Return of Vengeance. So if you liked Michael Badalino as Vengeance character, uh, he comes back in this, uh, annual is what it is. So they called it Ghost Rider Return of Vengeance number one, but I think when it finally came out, they called it a Ghost Rider annual. Um, so I always liked the Vengeance character. I thought he was very cool. Um, that this is my era of Ghost Rider. You know, this is Ghost Rider Danny Catch with Caretaker Vengeance. Uh, you know, I I'm excited to actually read this story. So uh, we were actually just talking today. Uh, I was talking with the guys that I text with, and uh, we were actually just talking about Ghost Rider and stuff like that because Chuck had actually saw a video that talked about some uh, low-key issues, not low-key the god, but I mean like L-O-W-K-E-Y, ones where it's like it introduces this character uh, or this team or something like that, and it might be worth getting because it might in the future go up quite a bit if it's introduced. And I watched the video. I liked the video. I understood the guy's reasoning for it, but I don't 100% agree with him. Um, so what he was saying was with the new Blade movie coming out that, um, it might be worth getting Ghost Rider number 28 and 31. I think it was, yeah, 28 and 31. Cause that's the Rise of the Midnight Suns story arc. Um, and he points out that the first appearance of Caretaker is in there and the first appearance of Lilith is in there and that they might explore using them for the Blade series? Yes and no. Could they use them? Absolutely. Will they use them? I don't know. Because here's the thing. Caretaker is not a Blade character. They did Whistler in the movie, and I think Whistler was part of uh, the 
Spider-Man cartoon from the 90s. But he was created for that, and he made it into the movie. Um, and it was kind of like a caretaker-type character. The caretaker was a Ghost Rider character. So if they were doing a Ghost Rider movie or a Ghost Rider TV series, which I've heard is possible, um, then I'd be like, yes, they're going to do Caretaker, and he did, that's going to be a major character. And Lilith was also a Ghost Rider villain. Now, Lilith, I think, has a better chance of showing up in a Blade series because she was uh, she's kind of like a vampiric character. Um, so I could see them potentially using her more so than Caretaker. Now, could they just say, well, Caretaker's a cool character and we need a character like that as like a, uh, grand, like an old man, I don't want to say grandfather, but old man, like crotchety guy that shows Blade the ropes and he turns to as a confidant. So yeah, they could do that because they did Whistler for the original Blade movie. Um, but yeah, I, I just... I didn't totally follow the logic because Caretaker was a Ghost Rider character, uh, supporting character, and Lilith was a Ghost Rider villain. Um, now, I did mention to Chuck, I was like, now, are they still worth getting? Sure, because they could still use those characters at some point in the future. Um, I, but I also mentioned like getting Ghost Rider number one and Ghost Rider number two from the Danny Ketch era it, are also good to get. Like Ghost Rider number one right now goes for... You can get it for like maybe 20 bucks, like loose. I'm not talking about graded, I'm talking like loose. He would be worth, that would be worth getting because they haven't really introduced Danny Catch, but they absolutely could introduce Danny Catch uh, if they decide to start following a Ghost Rider thing. Um, I said that get Ghost Rider number two, which introduces Blackout because he, more so than Lilith, has a better chance of showing up in the Blade movie. Because he's a vampire. Um, so there's more to him than that. But he's essentially a vampire. So they could absolutely do Blackout. And that would actually be a really cool character to use. Now, yes, Blackout is a Ghost Rider villain. Uh, so it might sound like I'm going against what I just said. But with Blackout being a vampire character, it makes more sense. Um, I did mention also that I know Ghost Rider number 28 is the first cameo appearance of Night Stalkers, uh, which I loved the Night Stalkers, um, but it might be worth getting Night Stalkers number one, which is the first appearance of that team. Now, not the first appearance of the characters on that team, because you have Blade in there. He, he definitely appeared before that. You have uh, Nathan Drake, or Frank Drake. Frank Drake. Nathan Drake is Uncharted character. Frank Drake. Frank Drake is um, from Tomb of Dracula. And then you have Hannibal King, who also came from Tomb of Dracula. Um, Tomb of Dracula number one, which introduces Frank Drake, goes for like $150 to $200. Um, and then same thing with Tomb of Dracula number 10, which is the first appearance of Blade. Got the same thing. In fact, that one goes even higher, potentially. Um, but Hannibal King, which is in Tomb of Dracula number 25, I want to say that one you can get for like 50 maybe it might be more than that but i want to say that one was rel still relatively low to get like that was still not too tough to to get that one um and that would be one i would be i would say is worth getting if it is like low like in the 50s or something like that or even lower um because you get that that's a vampire character definitely could appear in the blade movie so those are some routes that I would go when it comes to like 
if you're looking for something that could be an investment that could flip, you know, that right now you can get it for 20 to $50. And, but then when the movies come out, if they use those characters, like, or they even just announce those characters, the price goes up astronomically. It's usually like, okay, I bought this for 50 because that's what it's worth now. Now they've announced that character is going to be in the movie or the TV show. It's going to go up to at least 150, if not, it could go up to 500. Um, so especially depending on how rare and limited it was or anything like that, like who knows? So just wanted to mention that because we were kind of talking about it recently and just seeing vengeance reminded me of, of that stuff. So, uh, we have civil war snapshots, number one. So this focuses on Maria Hill and, uh, shield and stuff like that. Uh, it's in the heart of civil war. Very interested in reading this one. Um, yeah, really. I've, I've really liked the snapshots that they've done. So then we have King size Conan number one. This, uh, I did get this one issue. I haven't gotten Conan in a while, but this has Kevin Eastman's first work for Marvel. Uh, from my understanding, uh, at least that's what I was told. And I didn't do my research, but my comic shop people told me that, um, so, yeah, and it actually says right here, writing and drawing his first Marvel story. So, it's a big deal. Uh, I'm looking forward to checking that out to, to read it. So, uh, Star Wars number nine, Darth Vader number eight. Um, I have not read these yet. I am, so I am reading Dr. Afra right now. So, I mentioned I was going to talk about what Star Wars stuff I'm reading to get caught up. So, I'm reading Dr. Afra right now. In the last two, three days, I've read six or seven issues of Dr. Afra. I'm still way behind. I That brought me up to issue like 21 or 22 or something like that. Um, and it went for like 40 issues. So I still have a ways to go, but I should be able to get, if I keep this pace up, I should be able to get through the rest of it and get caught up. And then I can start jumping into all the stuff because then I can read, read Ascendant or whatever that then launches all these other titles. So I, that's really my goal because Dr. Afra so far is like when they changed over the writer, I think that went over to Spurrier or something like that. It's not good once it switched over. Like the beginning, the beginning of the series was a different writer and it was actually fun. He's not even writing the character like she was anymore. Like if you enjoyed the character in the Vader series um, and the beginning of this Dr. Afra series, uh, the, the original Dr. Alpha series. Um, that's not who he's writing anymore. Like she's written way different. Like it's, this doesn't even feel like the same character anymore. And the stories are whole hum They're The relationship stuff is forced beyond belief. Like it's just like, it's put way too front and center. Like, as if that's the goal of the story is to shove this in your face type of thing. Um, she's a lesbian, which fine. Like I, I could go for the relationship that they're going for with it if it felt more earned, but it doesn't, it doesn't like, I don't feel the relationship there. I just feel like they're put, they're putting that in there. And then they're trying to figure out a story around it. But even what they put in there doesn't feel like a, a good... 
doesn't make sense uh, to me. Now, my buddy Sam said he read this thing when I mentioned what was he goes, oh, I like that part. And I was like, I, I didn't. Like, I think I mentioned it before. Like, she likes this Imperial officer. This Imperial officer who isn't even a, not even a good character. Um, she's breaking some rules and stuff like that. But she goes into battle. She's trying to shoot Kafra. And then the next thing you know, they're kissing. Like, it's literally like it doesn't make any sense how they went from point A to point B. It's kind of like what I was mentioning with um, the Siggy Laura from Real American Hero, how she all of a sudden went from wanting to hunt snake eyes down to now she's throwing a grenade and taking out a bunch of Cobra Troopers. Like, it just did, it didn't make any sense, the transition there. Um, and then, like, yeah, the, the, and then the storylines have just been, like, they've been, eh, like, I'm not excited, but they're also not writing the character like she was. Like, they're writing her a lot more evil and vindictive than she really is. Like, she doesn't care who she's screwing over, and that doesn't seem... Like, she would do that to a certain type of people, but she wouldn't do that to everybody. And this is like she's doing that to, like, decent people. And she never came across to me as someone that would just screw everybody over. Um, Just, it didn't fit... so here's the thing with that. So, okay, so you have Han Solo is the smuggler with a heart of gold. She's just the the thief. There's no heart of gold. And that makes you stop caring about her. So before she did have a heart of gold, she had, like, there was something more to her. You, you felt some empathy for her and her situation, that she had a rough childhood, and she's got a dad who's, like, has, she has issues with and everything. So you start having empathy for her. Right now, I don't have any empathy for her. I don't feel anything for her. She's just she's just a means to getting to the end of the issue. Like, it's just... I th- and I think that's the big thing. It's like, I don't care about the title character anymore. And it's because of how she's being written right now. She doesn't have that heart to her anymore. Um, I hope that changes. I've got a lot of issues to go. Uh... And, but I've, I've been forcing myself to read those. The other thing I've been reading is I'm getting caught, getting caught up on a lot of the other things I just like let fall at the wayside. So I had all the uh, Age of Resistance one-shots. So I did the Age of Republic, I did the Age of Rebellion, and I didn't get to the Age of Resistance issues. Not because I didn't, don't like that era, I like that era just fine. I just hadn't read them, like... So I went and read them. They're all written by Tom Taylor. They're all done really well. Like, I, I'm a big fan of Tom Taylor's writing anyways. Um, so I wasn't too surprised once I saw his name on there. Um, some are better than others. But uh, overall, they're all really enjoyable stories. Uh, I read the Snoke issue, which I was hoping to learn more about Snoke himself. That wasn't the case. Um, this was also written before... Rise of Skywalker came out, so there wasn't the reveal wasn't out there yet. So I think if this had been written after that, we would have gotten more insight into Snoke. Um, the thing that they did, though, hopefully this isn't spoiling anything for anyone. This issue came out a long time ago, um, but they did what they did was they had him take uh, Kylo Ren to Dagobah where Luke had trained and then he sends him into the cave 
um, and stuff happens, and I think that was done really well. Uh, and then Kylo Ren actually blows up the cave, like, using the Force. And I don't think that was a wise move, because all this is supposed to be canon, this is all supposed to tie into each other. Um, and so now there's always going to, that cave in Star Wars is always going to be blown up. Are people going to remember that? <laughs> like, there, there needs to be a note somewhere that says, oh, by the way, this cave was ex- is exploded now. <laughs> so you can't send people to this cave anymore. Uh, it's not something we can revisit unless we go in the past. Um, which they could do, but they, but just like that was one thing that stood out with me with that story. But that story ended up being about Kylo Ren and not about Snoke. Like Snoke manipulated him. Uh, which I found interesting, but it really was more of a Kylo Ren story. It wasn't really a, a Snoke story. So that one was disappointing in that respect. The story is still really good, but it just wasn't a Snoke story. Uh, I really liked the General Hux one. I thought that that was interesting because we got more insight as to who he is and what his motivations are. I liked that. Um, the Rose Tico one was good. Like I, You get more background to her as a character, which I think was good. Um, Ray, the Ray one was, that one was okay. Uh, I really love that character, but the story was just kind of, it was okay. Um, I liked, I loved her talking with Leia in that issue way more than the rest of the story. Um, although she did get to go into a, a junk area and, uh, it was, it was, it was good. Like it was a good story. I just, um, a lot of these I was finding either more about the character or I was getting more heart of the character, but I know that like I was getting to feel more for the, that character and, and everything else. And I get with the Ray one and the Snoke one, again, these were before Rise of Skywalker came out, so they couldn't reveal too much. Like, I feel like again, now if they were to come out with those, it would have a lot more going on. So like same thing with like the Finn one didn't have as much meat to it. The Poe Dameron one didn't have as much meat to it. Like, they were good stories. I enjoyed them, but I feel like there could have been a lot more had they waited till after Rise of Skywalker was done. So, read those. Uh, I'm reading Gal- finishing to read Galaxy's Edge right now, uh, along with the Dr. Afra stuff. So, like, I'm getting caught up on a bunch of these things. Uh, I have, uh, they do have in here Star Wars Bounty Hunters number 8, so I haven't get, gotten caught up on that one yet. Dr. Offer number seven is in here. Um, in the statues, uh, they do have, uh, I love this in the Marvel gallery. They have Hawkeye with pizza dog. God, I love that one. That one's really, really cool. That, that one makes me happy. I love pizza dog. So, um, I'm looking forward to the fact that they bring pizza dog into the Hawkeye series along with Kate Bishop. So, uh, we have aliens in trade paperbacks and hardcovers. We have aliens, the original years, Omnibus Volume 1, so this collects all of the, uh, not all of, but a lot of the Dark Horse stuff that has been done over the years. I love that. I would actually like to get this Omnibus. I didn't get it yet, but it's one that I is definitely on my radar to try to get in the future. Uh, we have the Defenders Omnibus Volume 1, so if you're a fan of the Defenders with Hulk and um, Namor and Doctor Strange and Silver Surfer, which is was always a very interesting team to me, team up to me, um, that is there uh, and is coming out. Uh, then we have the Marvel Art of George Perez hardcover, which that is awesome. 
Love the fact that they have that coming out. Uh, X of Swords, Cross of Swords, however it's being called. Hardcover, collecting that entire storyline. I'm not caught up on my X-Men reading yet to, to have started reading that storyline yet, but I really want to read that. Um, then you have Astonishing, from Marvel Select, you have Astonishing X-Men. Uh, Gifted, it collects Astonishing X-Men uh, 1 through 6, which is the Joss Whedon stuff, uh, drawn by John Cassidy. Um, I watched a review recently of this, and they were saying, like, because I remember loving this storyline, I still have all my issues of it, um, and they said, they were saying it doesn't hold up as well. Like, there's a lot more things you question now reading it that maybe you didn't back then. Like, so I don't know if I'll, if I want to reread it because, like, I had that fond nostalgia for that storyline. But again, I don't want to let someone else dictate if I enjoy something or not because these same guys, like, completely bashed Hush. Like, they completely tore it apart. And maybe that storyline doesn't hold up. But it is one of my favorites. I will go back and reread it uh, maybe sometime soon and see if it still holds up for me. Um, yeah, I, I understand what they were trying to do, and, and some so some of the stuff maybe doesn't work as well and everything else. But, like, they tore apart Hush, and I was just like, oh, guys, come on, you don't have to ruin that for me. Um, so they kind of tore this one apart, too. They don't go into every single one wanting to do that. They just pick these ones that people say are classics and they remember reading back in the day. Um, but sometimes they do remember that they didn't really care for it, even though other people were enjoying it. So sometimes they go into it knowing that they probably aren't going to like it anymore now than they did back then. So, uh, then we have Marvel monograph, the art of Jim Chung trade paperback. These again, I would love it if they did this in a hardcover. I don't really want an art book in like a trade paperback version. I would much rather have the art book in. And I love Jim Chung's artwork. It's amazing. So um, then we have a collected edition of Star Wars Dr. Aphra Volume 1. This collects the new series, of, the current ongoing series of Dr. Aphra 1 through 5. So that's it for that. And now we go into the last previews. It is now 1230 at night. So might as well wrap it up. Uh, so we've got with this uh, King and Black Gwenum versus Carnage, number one of three. Again, I am really looking forward to reading a lot of this King and Black stuff, even the tie-ins. I'll have it all available to me with Marvel Unlimited. Like, as stuff's coming out, I'm just going to read it all. I just kind of want to... It's been very rare and very few and far between that I have read every tie-in to an event. Um, there was a time I did that. I, like when I got Civil War, I got everything that was Civil War. When it was Zero Hour, I got everything that was Zero Hour. Um, but I haven't done that in a long time. I've had ones where I've gotten a lot of the things that tie into it, but I've never. It, it's been extremely long time since I've gotten something that. I think the last thing I did that with was Secret War. That may have been the last thing where I got everything that came out tied into it. Um, so yeah, so King of Black, I'm looking forward to reading all of this, and I'll just read it all digitally as it comes out. So um, then we also have uh, King and Black Thunderbolts number one of three. Um, so that'll be interesting. Looks like you got some classic Thunderbolts characters in there. Um, some look almost dead, but um, still cool looking. Uh, then they do have Black Knight. Uh, I believe this is a one-shot. Yep, it's a one-shot. Uh, I'm very excited to read this because I really like the Black Knight character. I believe this actually this issue actually just came out today. Um, 
yeah, I'm very interested in reading this because uh, I really like the Black Knight character. I don't like the trope that they constantly go back to with the Black Knight character. They're always dealing with the Ebony Blade. They're always dealing with the consequences of the Ebony Blade and stuff like that. And I understand that's a part of him, but it's like there's got to be more to the character than just that. So I don't know. I'm sure they just venture into that all over again. Uh, it'll still be enjoyable, uh, but uh, I feel like there's so much you could do with that character that they just haven't yet. Uh, then we have King in Black, uh, Return of the Valkyries, number one and two are both solicited here. Uh, I'm interested in this as well, uh, but it looks like they're, it's, it's dealing with Jane Foster as the Valkyrie again, which is, that's awesome, all for that. But then we also have the Valkyrie, it looks like, uh, from the movie that they did, uh, the movie version that they did, which I'm fine with bringing that character in also, um. It just, I just find it interesting. It's like, oh, well, this is who the Valkyrie is. It's like, that's not who, you know, we, we're not seeing Brunhilde anymore, which I believe that's who the original Valkyrie was, uh, which is a little sad because I really like that character, but I'm all for Jane Foster being the, the Valkyrie. I'm interested to see what this storyline will be. Then we have solicited probably for the third or fourth time, nonstop Spider-Man number one. I think this issue still hasn't come out. Like this should have been already out again, like three times over. Um, but it's supposed to be a high action Joe Kelly, Chris Bachelo story, which is what has me excited is like, it's supposed to be this high action Spider-Man story with Chris Bachelo art. I'm all for that. Can it please come out? <laughs> um, then we have Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon. Number one, this is written by Larry Hama and art by David Wagner. Um, I know Chuck is getting this one because of Larry Hama, and he also likes Dave Wachter's art. Um, I am very eager to read this. I'm not getting it. I will read it digitally, um, but I'm, I'm very excited about Dave Wachter's artwork on this. It looks amazing, um, although it doesn't look like he does a whole lot of background art, which is a little disappointing. Um, but it could be this, the setting where it doesn't lend itself for that. I don't know. Um, but I do like the artwork on this. I'm curious to see what Larry Hama does with Iron Fist. So. Uh, then we have Maestro War and Pax number one of five. So I've been getting the Maestro storyline. This is by Peter David. Um, and I read the first issue, really liked it a lot. I haven't read anything else, but the thing with this is like, why not just continue that storyline? If, like if this miniseries is just a continuation of the other one, then just make it a 10 part miniseries rather than making it two five-part miniseries. I know why they do it because they want that number one again, but uh, the sales from the number one to jump up again. But yeah, um, I'm still interested in, in reading this. I'm very interested in the Maestro. I do need to get caught up on it though. Then we have Legend of Shang-Chi number one. Um, this is also a one-shot. I read the first issue of the new miniseries. It was available on Unlimited. Number two actually came out today on, Unlim on Unlimited, so I'm looking forward to reading that. Um, it's decent. I like the fact that there's the different houses and everything else, so I'm interested in this one shot when, when it comes out and available as well. Um, I mentioned Juggernaut earlier, which is I see on the next page. Uh, Children of the Atom, number one. Again, this is one of those weird ones where it's been solicited three, four times. People are not excited about it. I'm not overly excited about it just because it looks like a bunch of ripoff to characters we already know. Um, this could be a whole new Warriors situation, which I've talked that thing to death in the past. Um, 
I will definitely read this on Unlimited digitally just to see if it's any good, um, but I'm not overly excited about it. Uh, we have Immortal Hulk Flatline, number one. Also a one-shot, uh, and it's not written by Al Ewing, who's doing the main uh, Immortal Hulk. Uh, it says, every morning Bruce Banner wakes up in a new place. The Hulk is trying to tell him something, but Bruce has had enough of his green-veined altar. Uh, when a new gamma-powered villain shows up in a, a small new Mexico town, Bruce is forced to confront the source of his anger, and it's not what you expect. Don't miss an extraordinary tale from the uh, from one of the industry's top talents. So it's Declan Shalvi, who is the writer and the artist on this. I maybe the top talent. I've never heard of Declan or she. I don't. I don't even know if Declan's a he or a she. Uh, it doesn't matter. Like the art on the cover looks pretty cool. Like I do like that. Um, although the shoulders and everything else look a little bit too big and bulky for, like, I don't know. Um, yeah, it doesn't, like, I like the art, but at the same time, it's a little too exaggerated on, on the back side of Hulk there. So, um, but I'm interested to see what it is. Uh, looks like we get the UFOs in, uh, in Immortal Hulk number 43. So, uh, that actually, I think, just came out today. So I'm actually interested in reading that once it becomes available on um, Unlimited. So uh, I, like I said, I'm reading through, I, I read through a Mortal Hulk, like probably one or two issues a, a day on that one uh, and really, really enjoying it uh, when I think about reading digital. So I don't read digital every day, but when I do, I'm sitting there, I'm usually reading about four or five issues digitally in, in like what, one sitting. So. Like I mentioned before, I read seem to read digital way more uh, when I'm sitting down to read some comics than I do actual paper issues. Like, I'll read one or two paper issues in one sitting, but digitally I'll read four or five issues. So Then we have uh, Star Wars The High Republic. Uh, issue number one I have read. It's okay. Um, I was expecting something more. I was super, super pumped and super hyped up about this. And what I was told, and I'm going to be doing a video on this number one issue. What I was told was that if I read the novel, then I'll like this issue a lot more because the novel actually gives a lot more background and establishes who these characters are. But I'll go back to what some, something Shannon said once before is when it came to the new Star Wars movies. He's like, I shouldn't have to read the novel to understand everything that's going on in the movie. I should be able to just watch the movie and enjoy it. I feel the same way, I, and I totally understand that, and I agree with that, and I totally feel like that applies to this also. I shouldn't have to read a novel to enjoy the number one High Republic issue. Like, I should be able to read Marvel's High Republic issue number one and know who these, get to know who these characters are and be excited about reading this comic and not have to read anything else. I read this issue, and I was like, eh. Like, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't exciting. Like, it didn't do... Like, I was pumped for High Republic. And then I read this and was just like, it's okay. I like the one... They had a comic relief type character in there. And I thought that character was funny. Actually did make me laugh a few times. Um, I don't think we're going to see that character anymore. Like, it was... I don't think it's a, it's establishing a character. And that was kind of one thing that was disappointing with it, too. It's like... Okay, you introduce this character in this first issue, 
that I don't think we're going to see this character anymore. I could be wrong, but it, it, the way it was presented and everything else, it just felt like a character that's not going to be there in future issues. Um, so yeah, it, it was an okay issue. Like I just, I didn't hate reading it, but I didn't love reading it. It was just like, okay, that I read that. That was good. I'm good. That was it. Um, now I heard is that the uh, High Republic Adventures one that's done by AW, that one I heard, uh, which actually came out today, that one I heard is awesome. And that one actually does a much better job of introducing the characters and bringing you into that world. And I thought about it, because um, I heard that from a couple people, and I thought about it, and that it makes a lot of sense because Marvel could be banking on the fact that someone buying the Marvel issue is going to read the novel or could go and read the novel because it's on the same level. Like, okay, uh, someone who would read the novel could read the comic and someone who read the comic could go and read the novel and get the bigger picture and everything else. The High Republic Adventures issue is an all-ages comic, so it's typically geared towards a younger audience. Not always, again, all ages, but it those all-ages comics typically are meant for a younger audience, they're not going to make the assumption that someone reading that is going to go and read the novel and already have that knowledge. So they have to introduce the person to this world, which is why people are more excited about reading that one because they're getting more engrossed and more welcomed into this new High Republic world. So I am actually really looking forward to it. And like I said, that's what it kind of makes a lot of sense to me that they would do that. I still think it's a mistake. You should just assume that someone reading the comic, the number one issue of the comic, has not read the novel. Don't assume that they read the novel. Give them some backstory. Like, I heard the one character in this, and I, and I don't even remember all the characters' names just yet, but the one character who has, like, one arm, he's like a, he's a Trandoshan character, um... I heard that in the novel you find out like how he lost his arm and everything else, and that I heard I think I heard in the adventures one they also kind of go into that a little bit to introduce that character. But in this first, and they said in the novel he is a main character, he is a focal point. In this issue, Star Wars High Republic number one, he's like the side character that you, you bear, like he barely plays a factor into the story of the first issue at least. So. Um, issue number two actually came out today for High Republic, so I'm interested in seeing if it gets better as I go on. We have Star Wars number 10 and Darth Vader number 9. Again, looking forward to getting caught up on those so I can talk knowledgeably about those. Bounty Hunters number 9, which that one I could get caught up on and probably will get caught up on soon. Uh, Dr. Offer number 7. Uh, then we have Empire Omnibus. I was just talking about that earlier. I haven't read that storyline yet it's very very near the top of my stack to read so looking forward to reading that event um again one that i didn't get everything tied into it but i got quite a few titles that i was already getting tied into it um then we have kazar the savage uh omnibus uh this is the uh collects a lot of the kazar uh comic and then we have cull and the barbarians which cull i vaguely know about but it's another omnibus, so if you like barbarian stuff, man, you got Kazar and you got Call. It's a happy month for you when those came out. 
Then we have uh, the complete Kirby War and Romance hardcover war, uh, war comics, um, War and Romance comics. So that's interesting. Like if you like um, like Sergeant Fury type stuff and everything else, this would be one to to pick up, especially if you're a big Kirby fan. So Mike Myers, I'm sure, is getting that. So. And I mentioned Civil War earlier. One of the Marvel Selects for this month was Marvel Select uh, Civil War. So if you like that storyline and you want to have a nice hardcover collection of just... And it's just the main storyline. It's none of the tie-ins or anything like that. But if you want to get that, that is available there for you. So uh, then we have uh, another art of Lionel Francis Yu, uh, who, again, love his artwork. But, again, it's a paperback. I don't have any interest in getting an art book. Um, I would much rather have that collected in a hardcover to really have, uh, like, a nice collected edition. Uh, then we have X-Factor, Epic Collections, Genesis, and, uh, and Apocalypse trade paperback. It's a new printing. Uh, collects a bunch of classic X-Factor stuff. Then we have X-Factor, Epic Collections, Angel of Death. Uh, so I believe this is a new one, and this has uh, X-Factor number 21 through 36, and the annual number 3. And Power Pack number 35. So, um, deals with Angel becoming uh, Apocalypse's Angel of Death. And that is everything. So, yeah, it is late. It's a quarter to one. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Uh, I'll put this together with the episode I recorded earlier. And hopefully get this out maybe this coming weekend uh, for you guys. That would be awesome if I could do that. And... Uh, yeah, and then I'll be back next time doing a Patreon one where I will cover those Flash issues. And then, like I said, I'll probably try to get one more previews in, and then that'll be it for the the free stuff. But, uh, hey, three episodes out in the month of February. Uh, or, yeah, basically three episodes out in the month of February. This one, Flash one, and another previews one. So, uh, not too shabby. And then I'll, I'll also be trying to get a regular, at least one, if not two, uh, start regular Star Joe's episodes out. Um, I want to get the guys together to start talking again. Probably, I'm probably going to try to get that next week, uh, organized for next week or something like that where we can record together. So, um, with that, uh, you guys know where you can find us, starjoes.com. Email the show, starjoespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can call and leave a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, and we'll play it on the air, and we'll respond to it. And, uh, yeah, uh, there's Facebook page, Twitter account, Instagram account, which Instagram, I haven't been posting my comic reviews like I had been in the past. Uh, I will be getting back to doing that very soon. So, uh, so go and check that out. Uh, but with that, we'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>